Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this Thursday edition of Sports Call live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of this show. Today I've got T.P. Hammock and Brooks Childress with me for the full three hours as we continue to digest all the latest in the college football world, including the retirement of Nick Saban. We will continue to have thoughts on that throughout the show and who might be next. Alabama says it's going to be a quick process. We will see, so we'll have some speculation about that. We need to continue to talk about the Auburn coordinator positions that are still open. Again, we've talked a little about them this week, but they, of course, remain open. We'll give you the latest on the offensive and defensive side of the football. Uh, Update you on Auburn roster, as, again, in the last couple of days, there have been a couple decisions made, one by an Auburn Tiger to take his name out of the portal and one by an Auburn Tiger to put his name into the NFL draft. So we will update you about that today. Coming up on the program at 3.30, however, we've got Auburn gymnastics coach Jeff Graba. Gymnastics got underway this past weekend. They have their home opening meet tomorrow. And so we will be talking to Auburn gymnastics coach Jeff Graba about this 2024 squad and the expectations and everything about gymnastics for Auburn in 2024. So that's coming up at 3.30. Of course, we've got a lot of other things to get to, too, if we have time. Uh, it's getting further and further from memory, but still words have not been uttered on this show really about breaking down the national championship game that did occur Monday night. So we'll see if we get time for that. Uh, we'll also have uh, some thoughts on the NFL coaching searches as there are eight head coaching vacancies uh, with the announcement that Bill Belichick would not continue on in New England. So what a 24 hours of coaching legendary leaving the sport of football between Pete Carroll, Nick Saban, and Bill Belichick. So there is a lot of coaching to talk about, both in the college and professional ranks. And, of course, if you want to give us a call today on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Of course, Nick Saban retiring yesterday, Bill Belichick in New England moving on today. And uh, I think the latter is on the mind of our very good friend, Brooks Childress, who joins us on this program today. Brooks, I know a lot of Alabama people in mourning yesterday for Nick Saban, you not so much. However, today with Bill Belichick in New England, a uh, similarly tough day, my friend. How are you? Last 24 hours, three coaches who are all connected were are no longer employed at their their last spot. You, Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick, two of the two Patriots head coaches, uh, former Patriots head coaches now no longer as the England Patriots. Nick Saban announcing his retirement. Of course, he was the uh, on the Bill Belichick staff at uh, when he when Belichick was the head coach at Cleveland in the nineties. Um, 
it's a uh, yeah, it's a it's a big day. It is. It feels really uh, this last 24, 24 hours feels really a changing of the guard esque, where some of the old, uh, older, uh, more established, legendary coaches of the of the game um, are now no longer coaching. And, and you know, at least one of those uh, you coaches, though, you do get the feeling that they're going to continue. Is the uh, Bill Belichick still uh, uh, feels like he's going to go somewhere else, uh, continue to coach Pete Carroll. Uh, maybe could go somewhere else and continue to coach, but there's a lot of rumors swirling that he's going to uh, leave the coaching and move up into the Falcons' front office area. Uh, Nick Saban, of course, retiring, um, and so it's a it's a it's interesting uh, that uh, that this is uh, these three coaches are, are gone in 24 hours. Um, but yeah, Bill Belichick for for me at least this is the first time in my Patriots fandom that Bill Belichick is no not the head football coach of the New England Patriots, and so it's a weird feeling. It's the same feeling that I had when uh, when Brady left because it was the first time since uh, in my fandom that Brady was not the quarterback uh, after after that when he left the New England Patriots uh, in in twenty twenty, and so it's a it, it's a weird feeling. Um, you know, it, it's it's sad. I you know I, I haven't really thought about. Uh, who I would want to replace Bill Belichick? Um, that uh, you know that'll come here probably in the next couple of days when rumors start swirling about who's who it's going to be, and I'll start to have an opinion on who I want it to be. But yeah, it's 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 weird. It's weird that those those great head coaches are, are all no longer uh, going to be coaching next year. You're not going to see them on sidelines. You're not going to see them. Uh, you know, uh, you you know, you're not going to see them on the sidelines. You're used to seeing them on at least. Um, and so it's it's a weird feeling. Uh, but you know, it's it, it's the that that's the the world of world of coaching is one day you're you're in it and one next day you're not and it's uh yeah it's it, it's just a it, it's just a surreal 24 hours um you know Auburn basketball back home is getting ready for a game against LSU I think Bruce Pearl is meeting with the media uh, contingency right now over at Neville Arena um you're getting ready for the next SEC game there Auburn women's basketball gets ready for their next uh, game in, in conference play tonight. Uh, Auburn football still looking for some coaches um, with still rumors swirling around about uh, what what could happen with those position uh, or th- those uh, those open positions at, at Auburn football right now. So a lot to talk about, a lot to get to on this show today. Can't wait to do it. Absolutely. T.P. Hammock joining us here on this Thursday edition of the program. T.P., how are you today? I'm doing well. Uh, you know, yesterday was just such an exciting day uh, as a whole. You know, you had you know, the greatest of all time retired. You know, I texted it to a buddy. I, I hated him as a coach. I respect him as a coach. I hated him because he was at Alabama. But, like, just seeing the interviews and all that and, like, the highlights and him yelling at the media and, you know, just all that other stuff, it's just, I, you know, it's I, he's a really good dude, and I wish the best for him, you know, enjoy his retirement. Bill Belichick I definitely don't think is done. I think Bill – I really do think he's going to be the Falcons' next head coach. I'm sure we'll talk about that later in the uh, later in the show with our NFL, but I, I don't think Bill Belichick's done at all. And the Pete Carroll thing, you know, yesterday I was sitting in line trying to get my lunch, and I thought that'd be the most surprising thing of the day. I was like, oh, my gosh, the Seahawks are moving off Pete Carroll. Oh, wow. And then by the end of the day, it's like, oh, 
Yeah, that yeah. did. No, that kind of happened. Like pennies. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that, that that did happen, didn't it? And then later in the night, you know, you had Ryan Williams decommit. That was like in the last minute of our show. Uh, and then in college basketball, Kansas got beat by UCF in basketball, which I never thought I'd say that phrase. And then um, Tennessee lost to Mississippi State. So it was just a really, it was a really fun day. It was a really, it was not a boring Wednesday. We have a lot of boring Wednesdays in the winter months, but that was definitely not one of them. And I'm just really excited to make this a an exciting Thursday with uh, all the rumors and all swirling around the uh, sports world. Yeah, again, uh, there is a lot to talk about for sure. Uh, I'm already kind of processing in my head what needs to be talked about today versus tomorrow and uh, just trying to get through all the various coaching stuff. Uh, also, the fact that uh, you're right, usually on Thursdays we do uh, NFL and, of course, the playoffs are coming up this weekend. That was kind of something that we were probably going to shell for tomorrow. Uh, just with all the coaching news today, but maybe we get into the the playoff discussion too. So again, there is uh, surely a lot, and then tomorrow there'll be another Auburn basketball game to preview as well after uh, a productive night for the Tigers on the hardwood, and especially considering, as you mentioned, TP, all of the top five teams, four of the top five teams have lost in the last two nights on the road. So uh, a lot going on in the sports world. Do want to start today with some Auburn. Again, Jeff Grable will be coming up at 3.30, Auburn Gymnastics coach. Did want to go ahead and update you about the the Auburn roster as uh, a couple decisions have been made uh, on uh, decisions as far as getting out of the portal and going pro. Uh, First today, Justin Rogers, defensive tackle for Auburn, announced that he is turning pro. Uh, so Auburn continues to lose bodies up front, big bodies up front. Uh, of course, they do have uh, a transfer or two in that front seven uh, already from uh, Trill Carter from Texas, also Gage Keys from uh, Kansas. However, uh, of course, uh, kind of just going one for one at the moment off a unit that, that could have used a little bit of work anyway. Uh, so so Rodgers making a decision to head towards the NFL. And also an interesting decision the other day, did not get to this on the show yesterday, uh, and maybe got lost in the shuffle a little bit, but Brian Batie, uh, the former South Florida transfer who, of course, returned kicks for the Tigers, saw some action at running back this past year. He took his name out of the portal. So Keontae Scott a few days ago, of course, a big note because he's going to be one of the leaders of the Auburn defense in 2024, but also Brian Batie uh, taking his name out of the portal. We certainly understood at the time why he did that because, again, there's not a lot of opportunities, so it would seem, in the Auburn backfield to, to rush the football next season. Uh, now, does that mean anything related to Jarquez Hunter? I, you know, I don't know. That would be speculation. But we do know Brian Batie was the team's kick returner, and so I would think for the world he would at least do that in 2024. So, guys, again, Justin Rogers up that defensive front, second player up front to turn pro, uh, and then also, of course, Brian Batie coming out of the portal, and also Keontae Scott a couple days before that going out of the portal. So, what have you thought about the latest round? Of, uh, of roster decisions here for Auburn. Uh, I mean, it, it's, you know, the, the, the Batie coming out of the portal and coming back to Auburn definitely helps that uh, running back room depth. Um, it, it's, a, it's a position that, you know, he, he didn't get as many touches the running back, but like you mentioned, he was a kick returner um, last year for the, for the Tigers. And that's a, that, that's a position that, you know, you really, you know, with, with you know, the, the, I'm always nervous. Uh, I get extremely nervous on, on uh, punts and kicks. Uh, and so when you've got a guy that can, the, the more reps you can get them uh, in a live game action, the better. And so I'm always, I'm, I'm always nervous when you, when punts or 
kicks, but I'm always super nervous when it's, an, when it's a new person doing it. And so the more guys that you can get in that rotation, the more guys that you can get touches there, uh, the better. Uh, Batie, I think, could be, you know, the more touches you get to him, the, the better that he, he could get at, at returning and fielding those uh, and not have any disasters happen on the back end there. Uh, and so, I'm, I'm a, you know, it's good to save the running back room a little bit and, uh, and, and you know, have depth there. Because they did not sign a running back in this class, correct? Like, there was yeah. there was no running backs there. So you still – so you you may that may have been a position if Betty had gone, maybe you looked in the portal for. But I think if, if as long as you – you know, Jarquez is there, Jeremiah Cobb stays there, Brian Batia is back, um, it looks like, you know, that could be a, a solid room. Uh, right there, and and uh, Demari Austin. I forgot about Demari Austin. Uh, that that's a solid room. I don't think that's a that's a position you have to go back out, go out now and get someone in the portal. You could probably work on getting just a couple in the in the future high school classes now. Keontae Scott coming back. That's a weird situation, wasn't it? It was it was uh it, it was uh I'm here. No, I'm gone. Now I'm back. And so it's you know I, I think that's good. It's good to have a guy that's uh, got some some veteran uh, veteran spot on that defensive side of the ball, especially you know you. You looked at that defense that is going to be probably you know closer to what you're going to see next year uh, in that Music City Bowl. Having a guy like Keontae Scott come in and, and be a guy that can uh, that can anchor, uh, can help anchor the the defensive side of the ball, have a little more experience back there, especially when you're bringing in somebody new that's going to be on the defensive coordinating position. Um, no matter who it is, uh, that, that's really really good. And then, uh, and, and then the the uh, Justin Rogers, the NFL draft. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's I I guess he got a you know some good news somewhere. Uh, it it didn't feel like he had a, a year that was like oh he's definitely going to the draft this year. Um, but I guess he he's gotten some good news from somewhere, some a workout or something. Somebody's told him some stuff, and you know I, I can't wait to hopefully see him playing on on some uh, some Sundays here soon. I was pretty um, – I agree with you on that. I guess he probably got a good grade or something like that from, like, an NFL. Um, you know, they'll do that. They'll send their tape, and they'll get a grade back on what round they believe they will. So, I guess he is. So, best of luck to him. Uh, Keontae Scott, I was really surprised that he came back. I was uh, very shocked to see him enter because he came back. You know, usually whenever you come back for your senior year, you don't go, oh, I'm actually going to enter the portal. So, I was always kind of like a, a – a, a curveball to say the least, but uh, to get him back, because I know there were some SEC West programs that were rumored, like A&M and Ole Miss and some other ones, but um, to get him back is huge. He, he was really good last year and uh, helps out to have a veteran presence there now with a new defensive coordinator that's really going to be impactful there. And uh, getting Brian Batie back, I always thought, I thought whenever they told, whenever he entered, I thought that was mutual. But I guess it wasn't because, uh, you know, they brought him back. So um, good for him. I, I don't have any problem. There were some times where last year, you know, he would get in there and he was just – he would run the ball really well. So I have no problem with bringing him back. Some extra depth there. I'm not saying he's going to be a game changer. I'm not going to say he's going to lead you to a national championship. I just think he's a really good guy to have on the team. So uh, pretty pleased with the roster movement uh, for the Tigers. Yeah, certainly getting a different style of running back than what the other – guys have Demari Austin somebody that can run between the tackles and deliver the wood a little bit and uh, Jarquez Hunter is again kind of the complete back that you you use 20-25 times a game and then Jeremiah Cobb still trying to figure out the exact role for him but in the future does figure to have a pretty prominent role uh, again there there's always message board material uh, and it's it's tough to validate some and not others and that sort of thing but you know the, this room has stayed pretty constant 
uh, throughout the last 12 months or so. We will see if there any is any late developing news, if this has anything to do with something that's not yet announced. Again, that's always something that's fair to wonder. Uh, but for now, the, the room remains the same, that you have Jarquez Hunter, Demari, Demari Austin, Jeremiah Cobb, and now Brian Batigue. And the Keontae Scott news, again, from a few days ago, was just so important. You guys might have talked a little bit about it on Monday. Uh, but it, it just... Uh, someone that has to uh, be one of the leaders of the team next year. And in this age where you just can't guarantee a lot of things about the roster and that sort of thing, look, you can't really uh, – even. Uh, I struggle to even make up the, the breaking point of what becomes shocking and whatnot. But certainly that one was, was on the more surprising side, uh, given the video he posted in December. And given that, again, his role is going to be incredibly prominent – in 2024 so to get him back i mean that's someone that auburn will build the secondary around they'll have donovan kaufman back they'll have some newcomers in there they'll have a transfer or two but uh, i mean that that's probably the guy uh when you're losing so many great players like dj james and jalen simpson etc in the defensive backfield that that's someone you had to have so keontae scott come back and i think auburn probably got in his ears like okay your opportunity i mean you're gonna be on the field all the time and we're gonna kind of uh, have you lead us here uh you know that's important that leads us to and we don't have time for the full maybe discussion right now because we got to take break here in six or seven minutes and, and get to jeff graba of auburn gymnastics but uh that leads us to the defensive conversation because i look the both coordinators are open right now uh there was reporting uh early this week late last week from chris lowe who would uh or not yeah chris lowe i believe uh and then uh also matt zenitz uh, about Hugh Freeze taking over uh, play calling duties on offense. And so that makes things maybe a little bit more uh, of a formality offensively. Not not saying that they can't go outside of their current staff or, or make something, but I just don't expect there to be a, this big wow name uh, added to the offensive staff. And, and maybe the Ken, Al- Ken Austin route is the one that they go. And again, if Hugh Freeze is calling plays, you're interest wanes a little bit in who the technical coordinator of the offense is but defensively with what you will have is is several challenges defensively next year i mean when we start breaking down this team and the full roster and that sort of thing in the spring and and in the summer uh you can kind of put the math together that there's going to be a couple of pretty noticeable holes in this team the secondary where again they lost a lot of players and then again up front like they are still trying to find they've now lost marcus harris and justin rogers there in the middle of the defense they did not rush the passer well i mean you can argue that both ends of the defense front end and back end of the defense have some major holes uh going into 2024 so this defensive coordinator hire is going to be very interesting and we've gone over some of the names and been asked about some of the names i know t rob excuse me traverse robinson of alabama was somebody that was mentioned by I call her yesterday. Uh, I know that uh, Travis Williams has brought up a UCF. A lot of people around the beat mentioned the name Zach Arnett of Mississippi State. Uh, of course, the coordinator there for Mike Leach before he passed away and then became the head coach of Mississippi State for just one year. Uh, those are some of the prominent names. Uh, there's also been uh, a few others wondering if Charles Kelly uh, would get promoted, that sort of thing. So, guys, I wonder, uh, and again, just a couple minutes here, uh, do you have – are you starting to sort through these names and coming to any sort of conclusion of either what you want to happen or what you think will happen? Or uh, just uh, how do you rank some of these names that uh, we, we've heard mentioned? So I, I think 
I think a safe move would honestly be uh, just to promote Charles Kelly because he's done it before. And don't let the Colorado stint this year scare anyone off. They had like 80 new guys on the team, and that was just unproceeded. And uh, that, that was on him. He's done a lot of good work around college football. So I, I would just promote Charles Kelly and hire a new safeties coach or something like that. But uh, if you're not going to go that route and you just want him to be a co-DC, I, I do think Zach Arnett would be the best guy next up because he did a really good job of Mississippi State. That was, you know, Mike Leach, you know, he always – you know, they would always have really good offenses, but the problem was it'd be 68 to 63. So whenever he hired Arnett, whenever he got to Mississippi State, they actually had a really good defense. And they weren't like the best defense, but I, I believe you read off the stat where his defenses were top five in the SEC. Or I had heard that from somewhere where his defenses were consistently top five in the SEC for Mississippi State. The stats I was reading yesterday were national stats, but they was never Mississippi State was never above like 38th or 40th okay. national. Okay, well, they were pretty good for Mississippi State standards. I'm not sure where I heard that. But, uh, uh, you know, I, w- I would definitely go after Arnett if you're not going to go with Charles Kelly. But I think, I think you're in a pretty good position here. Um, you know, there's still a lot of coaching names out there. You know, it's really early in the cycle. So um, I would just either promote Charles Kelly. And if you can't, if you can get Zach Arnett, get him. But if you can't, then just uh, don't don't overthink it. That's what I would do. Yeah, you know, I think that, you know, you, you look at it and, and I'm part of the part of the um, the contingency that it feels like it, it could be a, a you brought Charles Kelly and Rob Roberts leaves you just promote Kelly to the DC and you go out and you find somebody uh, a, a position coach for that linebackers and, and secondary position um, and so uh, that that Wesley McGriff left uh, and so it, it would be a it, I think that could be a way it goes I would not hate the Zach Arnett hire if that were to be to come to fruition um it's a it, it it would be you know like you guys are talking about always had a solid defense at mississippi state um it was just you know the head coaching part of it is is what went out uh and you know you you bring in a guy that has got experience in the southeastern conference against the, some of these bigger teams and so i i think that would be a, a good one um to to go with as well it's just you know there, there's there's it's just weird uh, the the whole you know both court you're you're looking for both coordinators at the same time um, and you've you've got distractions uh, with you know other rumors flying around out there but it's it's just you know I, I think that those two are are two spots a guy that I really like and his name has not popped up anywhere so this is don't don't even you know nobody out there say oh you know are you hearing anything I'm not hearing anything uh, but it, it's a guy that I've I've liked for a couple years and defensive side uh pj volker the defensive coordinator at navy um I've, I've liked him these last couple years he's had some really decent defenses for the navy uh midshipmen their offense has gone down a couple years but uh they've always had a, a pretty solid defense up there um that's a name that i i like again nowhere is his name being popped up for this auburn job nowhere is that nobody's throwing this out there this is me just saying that's that's a guy if you know you're you were asking me who i would like to see that's a guy i would like to see but it, of of the names that are out there, it, it I think bringing in a second another coach with Charles Kelly just getting elevated or Zach Arnett are the two moves that I would make. Yeah, so look, I think that uh, it, it very well could end up being Kelly. Although it, we really are just trying to figure out exactly 
how Hugh Freeze wants to operate defense again too. Because this was not this is not as simple as saying you need a phil, uh, philosophical change or you need to do something completely different. Because again, the defense was on the right track last year, and mm. I think everyone can acknowledge that the defense had about one and a half bad games all, all season long, and so and one of them was the Heisman Trophy winner Jane Daniels. So I, I don't think that they. Uh, did a poor job at all. And so that's why this change was not really on the radar. Uh, so it's kind of about do you want to do something that is similar to that? Do you want to do something that is a little bit different, uh, is zoned for a different philosophy and that sort of thing? Do you want to focus on the recruiting side of it or do you want to uh, get someone that's more touted for X and O's? You know, there's a lot of interesting uh, things you have to sort through there. Uh, and Again, I think Kelly is cer- certainly a guy that would check more of the recruiting box. He has operated much more successful defense than he did last year at Colorado, and that's what TP said. He was uh, FSU defensive coordinator for a while, worked at Alabama for a while, etc. cetera. Uh, but I still think that Kelly is regarded more a little bit for his recruiting than maybe his on-the-field stuff. So is that the direction you want to go to? I, I don't know. Uh, and then the some of these other candidates, uh, again, I, I – uh, Travis Williams interests me. Uh, I don't know exactly where I have him on the list yet. Uh, I know that you have to be, uh, as Tom said, a little bit a little bit weary of just hiring Auburn guys because they're Auburn guys. I get that. I understand it. I think Travis Williams would be the more aggressive hire in terms of a higher ceiling, lower floor. Travis Williams one day might become a successful head football coach in college football. He might also end up just not end up being even a good coordinator. He's still a little too young in the process to know for sure. He worked a couple years under Gus as DC at UCF. They were fine. They were in the 40s nationally. That's fine. It's not uh, incredible, but it's not awful. And then he was at Arkansas this year. Arkansas's defense was not particularly good this year. However, the entire football team was not particularly good, and they lost their share of low-scoring games. They lost only, what, 24-20? 24-17 in Tuscaloosa, something like that. They lost a 7-3 to game. So, yes, while their defense did start to get rougher late in the season, it's also because they knew their offense couldn't do diddly squat. So, again, it was a little bit of give and take there. Everything was kind of wrong in Fayetteville. And, look, it's not like they're moving on from Travis Williams. They moved on from their offensive coordinator, but not Travis Williams. So, uh, that is somebody I'm interested in if you want to take a swing. Now, do you have to take a swing in year one? That's something that you can debate because you've only finished one year you want to go a safer route a more conservative route i certainly think that you have the leeway to do that just heading in the year two that's a conversation that we will continue a little bit later in the show but for now we need to take our first time out of this thursday edition of the show when we come back jeff graba auburn gymnastics coach will join us to talk about the 2024 season you're listening to the thursday edition of sports call live on tiger 95.9 you want to join our conversation tweet us your thoughts on twitter at sports call au i'm Corey grant former auburn football and nfl running back and you are listening to sports call on tiger 95.9 Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, 
and T.P. Hammock with you here on this Thursday as we are excited to go to the orthopedic clinic phone line where we welcome on Auburn Gymnastics head coach Jeff Graba, kind enough to spend some of his busy schedule with us on this Thursday. Coach Graba, we certainly appreciate the time. How are things in your world today? All right, great. Uh, just got done with practice and, um, you know, take a breath. It's a, it was a short practice, but it's good to get it you know, get it under the under our belt and getting ready for tomorrow. It's a very exciting time, of course, for Auburn Gymnastics with one meet uh, under the belts there this past weekend in Las Vegas. And, Coach, I understand that it's the second highest score in an opening meet uh, for the Tigers. I mean, uh, did you have an indication in preseason practice that this team was maybe a little ahead of schedule? Just how do you feel this team is kind of lining up so far? Yeah, honestly, yeah, I, I really felt like we were capable of putting up a good score. Um, I'm not sure I, I was that, – that was a very good not, – not necessarily a surprise, but um, it, was a, it was refreshing. What we really talked about leading up to that meet was, you know, trying to take a couple steps in one week. You know, trying to – we have 10 new people on the team. We've still got to get to know each other, and it's really nice to not have a lot of work to do late in the season. So – um, not only was I happy with the score, I was happy with the performance, with the mental approach, with the toughness. So, um, yeah, great start. Now, Coach Graber, for, for those that are getting more into gymnastics here in the last few seasons, I know the, the program is getting uh, very exciting. I know the ticket sales are great and, and the interest has continued to grow and grow. Uh, just for this part of the process, I mean, how much experimentation do you do with the lineup uh, in all the different events and the all-around and all that sort of thing? Just what's it like to kind of manage the roster at this point in the season? Yeah, it, really good question. The last two years we've been – blessed to have Suni Lee and Darion Goburn and, you know, just a ton of experience on our team. So at this point, the last two years, we knew exactly what we wanted for lineups. We were pretty darn predictable in practice. And uh, I would say January was we were going to try to get build consistency in January. We are, we are very new this year. Now we're very talented. We're capable of high scores, but if we don't experiment in January, we might not maximize our scoring potential for uh, March and April. So what we're going to see a lot from Auburn Gymnastics in January is wild, controllable, not uncontrollable, but but wild experimentation with lineups. We're really going to give some people some opportunities in different positions uh, in the lineup and some new people in the lineup simply because they're talented and I just need to get to know them and their teammates need to get to know who rises to the occasion, who's consistent, who gets better in a meet situation. Uh, And if we, the danger, I guess I would say it this way, the danger is that we settle too early and then we don't, we haven't maximized our scoring potential because we haven't exhausted every option. So I'm excited for January. We haven't done this in a couple of years, but, um, but it's going to be a lot of fun to try to see who who steps in. A lot of opportunity. Jeff, I, I got to ask. You know, you you opened the season last uh, last weekend at Vegas. How far in advance did you know your brother was going to be doing the commentating? <laughs> um, quite a, honestly, I, I, I should say this. I uh, I knew he was going to be there in some capacity. Okay. In, in advance, I didn't know. I don't think he knew that he was doing play by play until probably the week of. And uh, so I knew that. And, uh, you know, he has had some experience with our team and with other high-level teams because he's put his athletes onto college teams. 
But yeah, um, he was there last year. He, uh, I, I knew he was going to be there this year. He, uh, is, the difference is I was sure he was going to be working instead of just watching in the stands. Uh, and, and then, you know, you, you look at this team. Uh, they went out to, to Las Vegas. I'm going to follow up with what Ryan asked a minute ago. You went up against four te- or three other teams in, in your, your group that uh, Auburn, coming into it, was ranked lower than all of them, and you were able to finish third and beat one of them and yeah. really were competitive with all four of them. What, what was it like to, to look at that team and know that, hey, these are some of the elite teams in gymnastics, we're one of the elite teams in gymnastics, and we're able to compete with them on day one? Yeah, that that's exactly what the message was to the team going in is let's test ourselves. You know, we, we had the toughest, they call it a quad, uh, quad meet. Uh, there were 16 teams there. Our quad was Saturday night prime time. That was the toughest quad. I think there was, geez, what was there? Um, 10 or 11 or 12 national championships shared between those other three teams. And all of them had made the elite eight or final four the year before. So, we felt like, yeah, we are the underdog, but let's see what we can do. Let's test ourselves. We had faith that we're talented. We had faith that we could score high. Um, and we talked a lot. Hey, our goal is to meet these same teams in, at the end of the season. And if we can beat one now and improve during the season, we're going to be in really good shape. So we, I, I, came up, I came out of that, and I believe my team came out of it as, with a breath of fresh air. Maybe looked ourselves in the mirror a little bit differently. Coach, as we, we've looked at, the again, the roster, as you said, there are going to be a lot of new faces for this team this year, obviously replacing Darion Goborn and Suni Lee uh, is at the, the, the top of the priority list in terms of all around and, and some of the great competitions that they competed in. Uh, what has it been like for your veterans on the roster to try to take over the leadership roles and, and help being a part of the, the next wave of great Auburn gymnasts? Yeah, well, I, 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 I won't... I'd be remiss if I didn't say getting Aria Brush and Cassie Stevens back for a fifth year, that, that, that is huge for us because that's experience. They, they were on the team that was COVID and, and got canceled all the way till they were on the, also on the final four team. So they've been through everything with this team. They understand all the, the ebbs and flows of a, of a college season. So having them come back and settle the troops down and sort of, teach the way to train at a high level and compete at a high level. Um, They've been enormously uh, impactful for this team. The rest of the juniors and seniors have been phenomenal and really brought a lot of the new people because the freshmen, we only had, I think, uh, one or two freshmen routines last year that were were consistently in our lineup, and now we're going to ask a lot of that sophomore class. So... Uh, I think the freshmen and sophomores this year are basically just drinking up whatever they're get, the juniors and seniors are willing to share with them. Ryan mentioned the new faces in your lineup. I want to ask you about the new face on your coaching staff this year. Brooklyn Adventure, you just added over the summer, comes up from the club level. Uh, what, what type of uh, – what did you want to, you know, do making this move? And then, then also, what is the, the learning difference when you go from club gymnastics up to uh, college gymnastics? Well, what we wanted to add is we have four events. It's always been awkward that you had three full-time coaches, but you had four events. So nobody could ever specialize on an event. And now we actually have four coaches. So we, the first thing we did is we split up the events. Uh, she got 
two events. Uh, she had a lead. She, uh, Brooke's going to be a lead on vault and a second on bars. Kurt Hedinger, who's been here as long as I have and longer, he's going to continue to be the, the, the head on bars and the secondary on vault. So those two are teamed up. And I think that helps with your second question. Training is gymnastics is gymnastics. Flipping is flipping. So she's masterful at that. The, the management of competing 15 times in 12 weeks and, and team dynamics with 21 people on the team. Um, it, she, she, she's already learning the process of that, but we feel like the, the other three coaches uh, really end up taking the lead on that. But it's been really nice to be able to hand off a lot of the basic training of vault to her so that I, my job is to focus on, bar, or on floor and beam. So uh, I, in the past, I've been, you know, spread a little thin. So it, it's been great, and I and she's identified with the with the, the the girls on the team. Julianne Huff, one of our freshmen, she actually coached her in clubs, so that was a benefit as well. She already has a little bit of a knowledge of one of our main freshmen coming in. So it's been fantastic to have her join. Talking to Auburn Gymnastics coach Jeff Graba today on this Thursday edition of Sports Call. And, Coach, kind of a follow-up to that of the four events uh, that, 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 of course, gymnastics competes in. Which event do you feel that your team is in the best position in right now? And, and again, I know that there is uh, going to be some, some different roster things to do, as, uh, as we said earlier in the conversation. But which event do you feel best about with your squad right now? And which event do you feel needs the most work at this point? Yeah, uh... Boy, I, I really feel we're good on all four events. It's just I don't know if we're maximizing the talent we have on the, on the four events. What I mean by that is I believe we're capable of a 49.5, which is a really high event score uh, on each event. Uh, and I think bars proved that out in Vegas. Bars is, might be one of our shallowest events. We don't have as much depth on bars but it's got a really tremendous scoring potential and was able to show that out there. Um, Beam should be one of our best events. Um, now, we've got to settle down and get some confidence in each other and in ourselves on Beam, but I, starting against the you know three of the top teams in the country, and we ended up starting on, on Beam the first event of the whole season, that's a, that's a little tough. That's a, that's a big ask to settle down that event, but... Um, I'll be looking at this weekend, uh, can we do a better job on beam? Because if we can, that's two events that are at a mid to upper 49, uh, which really sets the tone for high 197s, which puts us in a final four conversation or an elite eight conversation. Coach, I want to ask you, we, we've talked about this subject a lot when it comes to football and baseball, but we, we don't really talk about it a lot when it uh, comes down to, to other sports around college athletics. How does the, the world of NIL affected college gymnastics for you these first few years that it's been in, in effect? It's, it's affecting us this year. This year was the first masterful a job of, of impacting another set of programs. I think the first year or two it was really impacting like you say, basketball and football, um, pretty aggressively. This year, it, it, it has made its way to gymnastics. And I look at NIL as two things. Actual NIL is the ability to, to make money off your name, image, and likeness without impacting your amateurism status. Um, our student-athletes are already, our gymnasts are already involved in that. Uh, that's social media branding and stuff like that. Our girls 
already do a lot of that. The collective is a di- the collective is NIL, but it's a different. It's one entity that's um, pulling money in and then dis- distributing it. I would say that has not made its way to gymnastics at this point uh, on a whole. Um, I think eventually either the NCAA changes the rules because they've changed it about every six months, or or uh, some, something new has to happen in that in that space because um, there's not really a collective for gymnastics or for tennis or for soccer, that type of thing. So, um, but NIL is, is, is live and uh, alive and well in, in all sports. I, I'll put it a different way. Suni Lee was not a member of the collective and made a ton of money outside of the collective because, um, with the contracts that, that she had to negotiate, she felt like she could make more money by not being a part of the collective than, than getting tied down and, and uh, not being able to do other things. So, um, a lot of business decisions in our sports these days. <laughs> Coach Jeff Graba joining us on the show today. Coach, we'll close with this. Of course, four of your next five meets are in Neville Arena, including this SEC opener against a very highly touted Kentucky squad. Of course, it'll culminate there, this little run of home meets in, in mid-February with Alabama. Uh, what are you saying to your squad about this opportunity to be in front of the home crowd so much? And just what do you want to say to the Auburn fans about showing up here this, this next month or so? Well, there's still there's still tickets available. There's standing room tickets, but they're still available, and it's a phenomenal event to be a part of. I would encourage everybody to to buy tickets and and show up. It's it's going to be a lot of fun. It's the best teams in the country come to Neville Arena because we're in the SEC, and that's where the best teams reside. Uh, I'm telling the, our team like it is not hard to motivate to come to Neville Arena and compete. Uh, it's the best place in college athletics to compete. And gymnastics, with our gymnastics and our student section, it's just a, a phenomenal environment, and it's extremely tough on the visiting team. So um, I'm not, I don't have to motivate my team to compete there, um, but we do have to try to contain ourselves because you can get carried away with the energy in that arena. So uh, I'll, I'll tell you this. Our athletes are absolutely stoked for tomorrow night. And that is very exciting. We are absolutely stoked to see them compete tomorrow night as well. Coach Jeff Graba joining us today on the show. Coach, we certainly appreciate the time today. And, again, we look forward to seeing your squad compete throughout this season. All the best this season. All right. Thank you. War Eagle. War Eagle. That is Coach Jeff Graba of Auburn Gymnastics joining us today on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Again, we certainly appreciate Coach Jeff Graba for the time today. And if you enjoyed that conversation, if you're getting fired up, about Auburn Gymnastics. We want to encourage you right now to call in at 334-887-3401 or toll-free 1-889-TIGER-9 because we have four tickets to that gymnastics meet tomorrow night inside a Neville Arena. So the first caller at 334-887-3401 or toll-free 1-889-TIGER-9 gets four tickets to Auburn and Kentucky Gymnastics tomorrow night inside a Neville Arena. One more timeout in this first hour. Back to wrap up hour number one right after this.
Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, T.P. Hammock with you here on this beautiful Thursday afternoon. Again, we appreciate Auburn Head Gymnastics Coach Jeff Graba for joining us on the show just a moment ago. If you missed that, go back and check it out on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola, available wherever you may get your podcast. Just two or three minutes left here in this first hour of the show. We also want to remind you, before we continue, about the Sports Call survey, which is still available to be taken. Uh, it will be up until next Friday, and it's only a nine-question survey. It's very brief. Take just a few minutes, and uh, that will greatly help us as we look to improve Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show in the year 2024. Again, there's uh, multiple choice there, but it's also a, uh, a short answer there at the end if uh, just open-ended for your comments whether they be positive or negative uh, we appreciate any and all feedback again that is available to be taken until next friday it's uh, live on the tiger.fm also on twitter at sports call au there's a link also on our facebook and instagram sports call auburn pages all right again just a couple minutes left in the show uh, obviously coming up the rest of this show again a lot of coach talk a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of coaching carousel talk. And none of us are coaches. And we, yeah, we, we, are, we are not in the carousel ourselves. Although if we wanted to, Greg Byrne, I'm listening. Uh, your, your brother did apply. He did. I'm going to go ahead and say that out loud. He did, mean, uh, did apply. He you fall- applied to the Tennessee I'm job. Say, he, he followed my footsteps when, uh, when the Tennessee debacle was happening, when they ended up hiring Jerry, per- Jeremy Pruitt. I emailed Philip Fulmer's office directly <laughs> uh, with my resume for NCAA football to see if I could get the job. Never heard back. Right. Not salty. Um, Blaine uh, emailed last night to a couple people inside the University of Alabama athletic department to see if he could get on uh, as the, the 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 heir to nick saban i don't think he's, he's ready heard. for the challenge I, I, yeah uh has not i don't know if he's heard anything back from them um but with the news that dan lanning uh may not be going to tuscaloosa his odds just got better i mean yeah one less person yeah. they, that he has to compete against there's technically probably hundreds of thousands more but yeah he's he sent in an application uh it's it's never no unless you ask right uh and look with the new college football video game that's supposed to come out in the summer you get some portal experience and this brave new world of college athletics nil and all that then you just put that on the resume you're totally good there's there's absolutely no one that can stop you from that but uh again we are about out of time for this hour so again a lot more on that we'll talk about alabama situation and about uh what they should be looking for what they will be looking for 
post Nick Saban. Of course, if you want to give us a call on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-889-TIGER-9. We will have a couple phone calls uh, when we come back from this end of our break. And again, we will talk more about the coordinator positions at Auburn uh, and also a little bit about the NFL head coaching carousel too because again there's a lot of names out there eight head coaching vacancies in the national football league that is a quarter of the vacancies that uh, exist or a quarter of the opportunities that exist so uh, there's a lot to talk about there in the coaching world as well we are done with one hour of the program stay tuned more sports call coming up after this timeout One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and T.P. Hammock. With you here on this Thursday edition of the program. Appreciate you, however you may be tuning in here on this Thursday. With that, to start hour number two, let's go to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First up here in hour number two. Ward Dam Steve. Retire Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you today? Hey, I'm feeling much better after uh, the breaking news that you... Uh before. Yes, sir. Yeah, it was a big one. Yeah, uh, I guess you know I'm, I'm not as a, uh, I guess as important as I thought I was. <laughs> um, so, uh, guys, uh, I, I enjoyed seeing your thoughtful comments about that. Uh, and just real briefly, my comments, whatever it's worth, is you know I, I after I heard I said you know it's about time, and I'm just thankful uh, that I uh, am still alive to have seen it happen. Because I didn't think I was going to live long enough or outlive him uh, that he was going to actually do this. And according to a podcast I heard yesterday afternoon with uh, Nathan King and Jason Caldwell, they said that apparently it was sudden that it even took the athletic department uh, by surprise. Guys, uh, is that what you're hearing? Yeah, I think that the, that is the general sentiment. I think that as we talked a little bit about yesterday, look, we know that at the, some point it's going to happen. 
and every year that goes by, it gets a little bit more likely. With that being said, I still think most people thought we were two, three years away from this, and so uh, including Alabama. Now, they, they say they're going to have a very quick process. They're going to be thorough but quick, yada, yada, yada. Uh, we'll see how quickly they are actually able to hire somebody. It's very possible by the end of tomorrow they have somebody. It's very possible that this drags on in the next week, though. We know that their urgency will be high, but the longer it takes, the more it might seem that maybe they truly weren't uh, very prepared. And, and uh, again, I think that it's obviously there's a little bit of shock, but look, I mean, I, I did say at one point yesterday, obviously it's very early on in the process to be saying this, but Life will go on, and it will go on for all these other schools, but it will go on for Alabama too. And at the moment they start losing, they won't be happy. So uh, they do – They now that administration is tasked with finding somebody to replace the almost unreplaceable. So, uh, again, I, I do think that there was a, a level uh, of being caught off guard there, and I think that extends not only through the college football world but with Alabama because, as Nick Saban said today too with Reese Davis in that sit-down interview – to be fair, five minutes before the four o'clock team meeting, he was still unsure. So, I mean, even in a way for him, it was sudden. Yeah, I read a statement, at least from the Washington Post, uh, that he gave, and there was no real explanation given or reason uh, for that. Did he uh, not give an explanation for the reason for his side to retire? Well, I mean, he, he, uh, I believe the thing is uh, that he's told Reese Davis is that he, he just got to the point where it was just a, about an energy level where he uh, he, he got, you know, he, uh, Chris Lowe, who broke the story, was on Feinbaum immediately after yesterday and said that every year him and uh, Miss Terry go down to their, their Miami home right after the season and take a little bit of time, reevaluate where they are. And so this time you went down there and they, they reevaluated and, you know, he was like, I, you know, I can't do that. It's a young person's game at this point uh i'm you know i'm getting up where he said in the interview that uh reese davis had that used to when he was younger he could get up you know he could go to bed at 2 a.m get up and be back at the office at 6 a.m and have enough energy for the whole day and it's just getting to the point where he he can't do that anymore well speaking of his wife i've read uh i don't know how factually it may or may not be uh comments that it uh, may have uh, his retiring announcement may have to do with his wife that uh, she may have some health uh, issues going on. One of them mentioned dementia. Guys, is is there anything credible uh, to any of that? Mm-hmm. We, oh, go, I was, yeah. was going to say, Reese Davis asked him directly in that uh, that interview and said that he he said there's no health issues involved. Okay, all right, good to know. Yeah, and then Paul Feinbaum also echoed that at the beginning of the show too. So I, I understand that rumor is out there, but. Uh, with what they've said publicly, know that that does not to be, appear to be the case. And that is good news. We do not want uh, her to be sick. Yeah. And I admire everything he did. I just, I'm so glad, finally, at least uh, for now, that the stranglehold and chokehold that uh, Saban has had over the Auburn football program is hopefully now lifted. And uh, for at least for now, uh, it's over. And maybe it's a little bit more of a level playing field uh, for Auburn and some other football programs. Uh, and I say that because in one of his statements here, I read this with uh, some, I guess I'll raise my eyebrows to it. He says, we always try to do it the right way. Talking about, I guess, their recruiting and everything. And I said, really? Well, hopefully we'll see any more of the, um, I call them shenanigans under his watch with a Reuben Foster's AU logo and the, where is, you know, uh, TJ Yeldon? Yeah, Steve. I, again, I, I understand that that's going to be a sentiment for some Auburn fans. I, again, no. 
it, the right way you're referring to or thinking of that people should be doing it, no one that succeeds does it that way. So I, 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 I again, I'm not. This is not going to be a uh, yeah. Well, he just absolutely cheated above all others. Again, everyone, everyone participates in a certain level. That quote, if it's not the right way, I mean, it will be considered something, something different. I just, I again, I'm not, I'm not going there. Okay, fair enough. I, I just hope those kind of shenanigans uh, don't want to continue. Now, moving on about our guys uh, and our and our situation, guys. I'm hoping that freeze the rest of assistant coaches. Um, as Tom said yesterday, the program strike while the iron is hot. Um, and Jason called, I think, he used the term. I hope they're really focusing on what I what they call talent acquisition because we've got to get it. Because uh, no matter how good your plays your schemes are. If you don't have the players execute them, you're not going to go and do very well. And that's what has got to improve. Now, just because Satan's not there, does that mean we're going to start winning every Iron Bowl in the future? I don't think so. Uh, and I hope and I hope that they don't think so. I'm talking about uh, the coaching staff. But I do expect that since we're going to play them on the road, that even if we don't win the Iron Bowl next year at their place, that at least it's competitive. It's not a blowout. That will tell me at least, you know, that George the same thing. We're getting some player development. Uh, what's your guys' take on uh, Mike Humps about that, and especially um, looking forward to, yeah, we got to play Georgia and Alabama on the road next year? Well, well, look, I, I think that first, I, I think it is an opportunity not only for Auburn but for any of the major programs in the SEC uh, and in the Southeast right now. Look, Alabama might end up getting the right guy. They might still end up being in a really good position, but it's going to be impossible to duplicate what Nick Saban has done over the last 14, 15 years. So there is an opportunity for for everybody right now, and of course Auburn chief among them. And I think the good news is, look, we will have to see the actual on-the-field part develop. You're right. But I think the good news is Auburn has the type of recruiter in Hugh Freeze to capitalize in the recruiting world right now. And that might be play out just in the form of Ryan Williams. I mean, again, Williams did decommit from Alabama yesterday. I actually think it might come down to Auburn and Texas, not Auburn and Alabama for Ryan Williams by the end of the day. We'll, we will see. But again, that 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 hire with Hugh Freeze for the recruiting in the offense, and again, we, we got to see the offense, we got to see the football stuff actually come to fruition here. But that also was because of recruiting, and he already was getting some serious gains this year uh, to the tune of the number seven, number eight class, which could be top five with Ryan Williams. So they are positioned to be able to take advantage on the recruiting trail of a change uh, in the guard there at Alabama. Now, again, other schools will be trying to capitalize too. I know LSU's got a great recruiting acumen. They're still in a pretty good spot with Brian Kelly. Again, there will be others. Uh, And, of course, Texas and Oklahoma joining the league will make things difficult too. But, yeah, I think the opportunity is there. Uh, And then as far as for on the field next year, look, it's still going to be – uh, there, there's no reason to think think Auburn's going to be well positioned going into Athens, but uh, as far as Tuscaloosa, we just have no idea what those rosters will be like. And for the first time, like yeah, you can at least wonder about it. Again, it's too early in the process of these rosters and how it's going to look to really know for sure. But yeah, I think for the first first time in a while, going into Tuscaloosa, there is at least going to be uh, a little bit of hope that that things can change and, and Auburn can be very competitive there. Speaking of coaches for us guys. Uh... I think uh, one, of you, one gentleman mentioned uh, Charles Kelly. Uh, he hasn't been officially announced yet, has he? No, he is not. And uh, Brooks continues to talk to this 
uh, tune about uh, this whenever we chat about it. Uh, and and I, I really agree with him. Like, I wonder if they're waiting towards – I mean, he, I think he's clearly in the defensive coordinator conversation and they're waiting to announce him because they don't want to announce him as something other than D.C. and then decide on him as D.C. So I think this is because he is a part of this process in, in terms of looking for a full-fledged defensive coordinator. Well, speaking of that, uh, Ron, uh, according to Jason Caldwell, he said inside sources – this was yesterday in one of his columns – have told him that apparently uh, Charles Kelly has said to whoever these sources are that he does not want a coach. He's not interested in that at all. Um, you, what do you think about that, guys? Well, that would certainly be interesting. And look, I, I will say that you hire Charles, Charles Kelly primarily to recruit. Uh, again, that is the thing that he does best. Now, again, that's not to say he's a whole nothing burger of a coach because, again, he coordinated Florida State's defense for uh, four or five years pretty successfully. Uh, he's had very relevant stops at Tennessee and certainly in Alabama after that. And, yeah, things were not good on the field at Colorado this year. They were giving up a million points. They also had uh, – Again, a whole new unit defensively. And just because they had Travis Hunter did not mean that they actually had a lot of real good players on that defense. So uh, obviously didn't go well defensively this year at Colorado, but there's about 80 reasons why that did not uh, go very well. So he could just be a little burned out from that coaching perspective. Again, that was a whirlwind at Colorado this year for whatever you think, if it was a net positive or net, net, net negative in Boulder this year, I think that you at least acknowledge that it was a little bit of chaos. And, and maybe he wants just a, a breather from that, but still wants to be involved in the game. So, look, Auburn wants him uh, definitely as a recruiter, no matter how he's feeling or what his coaching role will be. So, again, I can see why there's still value for Auburn. And then I can also see from Kelly's side of thing, after dealing with the Colorado stuff, of how he probably doesn't want to go to being his full potential of being a defensive coordinator this year. So I'm sure those conversations will continue and we'll find out the, the final answer in the coming weeks, but I can see the, the perspective there. Okay, moving on real quick, I see, uh, I guess you already mentioned Justin Rogers is a class NFL draft. Um, I, from what I read, the, they didn't see it. Uh, they being uh, Jason Caldwell, Lady King, as a tremendous loss. Uh, do you guys agree? Yeah, look, I, I think that clearly him on the field this year, and, and to be fair, you could question why the decision is, is being made if this is the case. I don't think of him as somebody that has a surefire great NFL opportunity. I mean, uh, look, he, he played a lot of football, uh, but he was not normally a high-impact guy, at least not as much as Marcus Harris was in the middle of the defensive line this year. Uh, I, the one thing I will say, though, is that you at some point do need capable bodies, and I would still rank him as that. Again, I don't think that you have a great defensive front if he's your best guy up front, but he certainly could be a part of a rotation there. And so uh, you're just looking at, at numbers. And, and Auburn's added a couple guys in the portal that they're going to try to play uh, somewhere there on the defensive line. Again, Gage Keys out of Kansas, uh, D'Angelo Trill Carter out of Texas. So they're, they're trying to pick up some bodies there. But, I mean, they're, they're having to reshape. This is just further – furthering the emphasis of that there's going to be a whole lot of new faces up front because they are losing some guys there. And it was already not uh, an overwhelming strength of the team this past year. Well, if you take real quickly, since we haven't announced uh, a defensive coordinator or an offensive coordinator at this point, what, if any, impact does that have on decision-making of potential, um, you know, really the highly touted uh, recruits? Well, again, I, I said this earlier in the week, and I stand by it, 
that since the early signing period, which is really the main signing period now, has already passed, I really don't think it has the same kind of emphasis and urgency that it would if these changes were having to be made early or mid-December. Because really for Auburn, they might look at one or two other high school recruits for the 2024 class in the month of February, but really the only thing they are really intently focused on in this 24 recruiting class is Ryan Williams. And will there not being an offensive coordinator matter too much from the time being? Not if Hugh Freeze is forthcoming with I'm going to call plays because really that's what it's about. Who's calling plays? Who's my position coach? So Marcus Davis is still here and they know who's calling plays. I don't think that has a big impact there. And then I also think that, again, you are investigating the portal a little bit, but I don't think at this point either there's major gains to be had in the portal. I think you're shopping around a couple different names and that sort of thing, but I don't think you look back on it and say, man, if we'd hired someone a week earlier in mid-January, we would have just had this unbelievable portal haul. Now, I think that Auburn is going to be uh, just as active in, in the spring portal session as they are right now. So, again, if this was a month ago, I would say that there would be a much higher sense of urgency, but it's as far as roster construction, that sort of thing, yes, yeah, some guys want to know who their position coach is and that sort of thing, and some guys are trying to make decisions to stay or leave or that sort of thing based off of that. But again, the most, the highest volume of decisions in the high school ranks have already been made, and they were made in the month of December. So you feel pretty confident, I guess, at this point that somebody like Ryan Williams is a level of uh, talent, but would not make you decision based on well who's my quarterback going to be is going to be throwing to me or not well i mean the quarterback yeah but again i don't think that that is necessarily related to who they might or might not hire right now at offensive coordinator because i'm not sure of the quarterback in the portal right now that would or would not come to auburn based off of a coaching hire they'd make that would be of high relevance i know that's kind of a complicated system uh sentence so let me explain again I'm not sure there's a guy, first and foremost, that Auburn loves in the portal right now that would come in here and for sure be a starter. I don't think that guy exists in the portal right now. I think they've already all made their decisions. So if Auburn is going to look at a transfer portal quarterback, I think that if they want to try to get a difference maker, someone that they expect can win the job, that will probably once again have to come in the spring. Therefore, they don't have to rush the hire. Obviously, they got to make the hire in, in a month or in a few few weeks. They can't just wait three months. Then they're not going to. They'll make it probably next week or two. But they don't have a sense of urgency in terms of there's no one out there right now that's waiting on Auburn to decide who their OC or quarterback coach is going to be. That that Auburn is really going to be a game changer out there right now. Okay. Well, I hope that your uh, viewpoint is the one that. Uh, is the correct one. All right, moving on real quickly, guys. Uh, can I guess we've heard nothing, and I don't know, when is it safe to say Jaquez Hunter is staying? Gosh, I don't know of a firm date other than uh, trying to come up with the uh, the entry deadline into the NFL draft because, again, it's not a portal uh, decision with him. Uh, again, it would only be uh, – okay, I, so I found the date here for you. Actually, I've got a concrete date. Uh, underclassmen have until January 15th to file declaration papers uh, speak, uh, seeking special eligibility for the NFL draft. So, uh, in other words, uh, he's got four days here. And so if you get to January 16th, I'm not sure 
uh, how he would leave at that point. 15th is the deadline to, to declare for the draft in some form or fashion. Okay, and I guess we won't ever really know until we know uh, right. if Cadillac is actually the, the rumor is just a rumor, right? Yeah, again, that's still all I've ever seen it as. And I, again, I know the beat guys do uh, do get on the boards a little bit and, and chime in and, and add to some stuff. And uh, but I've still not seen it in terms of the the normal uh, normal kind of stuff, the non message board stuff. I've not seen the the real uh, next level of concern on that. Again, I know it is some on people's minds, and I I would probably couple Zach Etheridge into that too. I I, I think that Etheridge has been mentioned. Uh, in some rumors too, but to this point, it is not advanced uh, to the next level of uh, of some sort of high probability. All right, real quickly, guys. Last night was it upset night or what? I thought that time it, it happens. Well, it happened to a bunch of teams. It happened to who? Purdue, Houston, right? Uh, Kansas. Uh, gee, what? <laughs> and some of these teams. I think it was Iowa State had never beaten. Uh, who they beat? Was it uh? They Purdue? beat Houston. No. Houston had never beaten Houston uh, at, at their place ever. I think that's what I read. Was that right, TP, or wrong? Yeah. Well, they, you, you know, this is the first year that Houston's in the Big Twelve, but uh, you know, in any sports, I'm sure Brooks will agree. Uh, Ames, Iowa, is weird. Uh, it's a black hole. It is like there is nothing to do out there except for go for the Cyclones, and they go out there and they support them where they're one in thirty or thirty and one. So. Uh, that one wasn't very surprising, but you're right. I, I'm happy that you brought up the college basketball because uh, things got weird the last 48 hours uh, with UCF winning. I saw they put like a palm tree branch in the bucket, and the, the one of the commentators ended up with a random shoe. Uh, Tennessee losing to Mississippi State. Uh, Mississippi State's been doing better with their right, new coaching staff. And yeah. Kansas almost lost. Can't, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, can't, can't, well, Kansas did lose to UCF. I think you're thinking of UConn. That's U- right. Yeah, I'm UConn, yeah. yeah, yeah. Close now, game with Xavier. Yeah, and uh, again, I know it's not as sexy because it's number nine and not in the top five, but even number nine Oklahoma lost on the road, too, to TCU. So, again, the four of the top five and at least five of the top ten uh, all lost in the last 48 hours in college basketball. All road games. Yeah. Who were you surprised by the most that, that, that lost got upset? Well, oh. Uh, well, I, I would say UCF beating Kansas because UCF's been very average as they make their way. They weren't very good in the American in basketball, so I didn't think it'd go very well for them in the Big 12. But uh, that one was really surprising because, you know, Kansas is ranked, what, number three, number two in the country, number three. So that uh, one was definitely the most off. surprising. But, but Steve, you know it best. It is really hard to win on the road in uh, college basketball. So whenever Auburn gets those road wins like last week at Bud Walton, you just got to really appreciate them. Well, guys, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but – I looked at the, the, the rankings here today this morning with Ken Palm, and he had Kansas ranked number 19. He has us number four under uh, just uh, beneath uh, Purdue, Arizona, Houston. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, again, look, I, uh, I certainly understand that is a way to analyze the game. Uh, I still think very highly of Kansas, though. I, I do not think they're down at 19 in the country, in my opinion, but – uh, again, analytics have absolutely loved Auburn. That that has been uh, very consistent from the jump this year. And guess who we're playing, of course. Uh, well, well, guess where he's ranking LSU, our next opponent, eighty-four. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have thought too high. Yeah, eighty-four. Uh, okay, uh, so guys, that's all I've got. Uh, thank you again for the time you always uh, grant me, and uh, I appreciate my time is up. And I'm going to focus on 
our team, and I don't care. Really, it, it should not matter to us Alabama, uh, Auburn fans, right, who Alabama decides to hire, whether or not. It's more important who we hire, right? Sure. Okay, that's it, guys. Have a safe afternoon. TP, always enjoy you uh, hearing your comments on uh, Thursday as well. And thank you for taking my phone calls in a professional manner and not hanging up on me. Sounds good, Steve. <laughs> okay. All right, guys. Uh, talk to you tomorrow afternoon. Until then, Warrior, guys. Warrior, Steve. Appreciate that phone call. That is retired Ward AM Steve joining us on the orthopedic clinic phone line. We need to head to our next timeout of the show. Back with more right after this. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday edition of the program. Uh, all coming up either today or tomorrow. I know that really narrows it down for everyone the rest of the week. But uh, we've, of course, going to get to the NFL side of things at some point. Uh, there are eight head coaching vacancies. Of course, we are the home in East Central Alabama for the Atlanta Falcons here on Tiger 95.9, so we will need to cover that one and their coaching search. And uh, tomorrow might have a little game with that if uh, we can hold off on the uh, the full-fledged NFL hires. Might have a little game with that tomorrow. Uh, also, the NFL playoffs will be this week, and there will be more football to talk about, and that will be uh, exciting. It's the last football we have. It's of the professional variety, so – uh, playoffs getting in full swing uh, this weekend, so we'll have some of that tomorrow. Uh, today, though, we want and all, well another thing for tomorrow. We'll also have uh, Auburn basketball preview against LSU. So again, there's a lot uh, for on tomorrow's show too. Today, we want to continue on uh, with more uh, of Auburn's coordinator discussions, and also, of course, uh, with the Alabama news with Nick Saban. And so uh, we have yet to kind of go through some of the next steps for Alabama. We've kind of uh, broke. We, you know, we were a part of breaking the news yesterday, and uh, of course we had some live reaction there uh, and that sort of thing. But uh, we have not yet talked about what their next steps could or should be. Now, this can can be and is already in a way a pretty fast changing um, search. If you were 
awake last night late uh, and you were on the internet maybe more than you should, uh, then you really were, you were really convinced that Dan Lanning was going to end up being Alabama's next head coach. There was even a TV station out in Oregon that uh, the dude said he had worked in Tuscaloosa and he had his sources there and blah, 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 that Dan Lanning was in Tuscaloosa. And it does not appear that that was actually ever true. And then Dan Lanning today came out with a video uh, that said uh, basically he was staying in Oregon. A lot of hard work uh, to be done and enjoying his time in Oregon. So, again, look, people can change. I, I don't even want to say it as like 100% no chance he's the guy now, but it seems very unlikely that you would do that and then 24 or 48 hours later have a change of heart. So Dan Lanning is probably not it. Uh, and then that goes on to some other names, and it just depends who you talk to, and there's strong opinions for some of these guys. I'm simply just going to give you five or six names, and then we're going to sort through them. Uh, but Kalen DeBoer of Washington, who obviously had a really great second year with the Huskies, got them to the national title game. He's been talked about a lot in the last six, eight hours. Uh, Mike Norvell of Florida State, who, of course, was – uh, the disappointed party of the decision by the college football playoff there. He is an option at Florida State. Of course, you've probably heard these two names a lot and have stronger opinions of these two, Lane Kiffin and Dabo Sweeney. Uh, so those are two people. Uh, also names that you want to maybe uh, throw – or well, I'll give you one more that's been mentioned a little bit about Steve Sarkeesian, too, of Texas. Uh, and then a couple more names that would be – of a little bit, not necessarily strange variety, but a little bit off the wall, uh, a little bit less talked about. D'Amico Ryans, the head coach of the Houston Texans, former linebacker at Alabama. And I saw this, and I'm just saying it out loud. You can look at me like I'm weird and dumb, and that's fine. I don't actually think this would happen. But Mike Vrabel, the now-fired head coach of Tennessee, uh, who many thought could be in line for the Patriots job, is reporting that that might not be their front runner. I don't know. There's reporting and reporting and rumors and rumors and rumors, and uh, that's what the coaching carousel is for. He said, she said, and uh, a whole lot of uh, opinionated stuff right there. So I gave you a list, five, six, seven names there. Uh, I know that, obviously, as Auburn people, the, the hope is that they make the wrong decision. Uh, however, we also have to treat it professionally. And so if you were looking at it from Alabama's point of view, uh, who would you hire? What, what would be your, your running list there? So I said in the office earlier, and I stand to my guns, I, w I would go after Dabo Sweeney. I know that's not the most as attractive as it was a couple of years ago just because they had a couple bad years at Clemson, which, you know, maybe about 15 years ago you would have said they were fine or you know, above average years at Clemson, but, um, you know, it's just, he's won two national titles. He can definitely recruit. He's made Clemson into a national championship caliber, which has never really been a thing. And, you know, it feels like it's run its course there and that he's done everything that he can. And it definitely does feel that way. So if I'm an Alabama fan, or if I'm a part of the administration, I'd go after Dabo Sweeney because I think, you know, he, he's an Alabama graduate, and, uh, you know, he's got all the Southern ties, and he definitely, like I said, knows how to recruit. And I know the Vegas odds do favor Kalen DeBoer now, and I, I love Kalen DeBoer. I think he's a really good coach. I just don't know if he's – I don't want to say if he's ready because he's not a young guy. He's not. But I don't know 
if that that would just be a really big jump in a hurry. So from you know Fresno State to Washington for two years, and then with Alabama, and I want to see how he does without Michael Penix. So and uh, Jeff Hayner, who he had at Fresno State, who's now with the Saints. But um, you know, I I just I would go after Dabo Sweeney, make him say no, and if not, then I'd go after Kiffin. But I I think you'd have a pretty good time trying to get Kiffin, but. Those would be the two that uh, I'd go after if I was a part of the Crimson Tide administration. If I'm looking at it, I I'm, I want to try to get a candidate that is more around the same lines as Nick Saban. I, I you know you you look at some of the coaches that are out there. I think Lane Kiffin is a is an interesting name that's thrown out there. Um, he's a guy that you know he could continue the recruiting, but it's just he his personality and the way he's coached is such a different than what they've had with Nick Saban. It's a totally different uh, scenario, I guess that's what I'm trying to say uh, between those two. And so I I think I would look, try to go somewhere that that he's about, you know, the the same kind of mentality. Kalen DeBoer's a guy, uh, at least right now, I think Dan Lanning was a guy that you, you know, you you probably had everybody had on the top of their list inside the, the athletic complex there. Uh, Kalen DeBoer is a guy that I think could be on that same level. He won some national championships at the FCS level. He's a proven coach. Um, I, I do think when on the FBS level, I'd like to see him without Michael Penix, but the the fact that he won national championships um, down uh, in, in the FCS level shows that he's uh, able to coach up players. Uh, the Dabo Sweeney one, Kind of, but uh, the fact the the fact that you had the fans that were out around the statue chanting anyone but Dabo last night feels like if you try to go the Dabo way, you may have a uh, a Tennessee esque situation where the fans revolt and say, "No, we don't want Dabo Sweeney." Um, and then you just get thrown into chaos. A name that I liked a little bit, and his name has kind of fallen off of the the odds in the last 12 hours, 20, 24 hours, was James Franklin. I, I thought that he could be a, a guy that could uh, would uh, could come in. He's, he's not getting anything done in the Big Ten, and I know that. But, you know, change of pace. He, he had success at Vanderbilt, come back down to the SEC, uh, and, you know, you you're, you can get to, uh, to continue to uh, be a, the, the general there for uh the for um Alabama and get them back continue to get them into the playoff scenarios. Uh other than that, you know, I've I've seen Mike Norvell's uh name floated around a little bit. That one's, you know, kind of on the fence about it. Uh there there's there's several different ways you can go. Uh again, I, I think you're you're looking for a guy that's gonna be around the same mentality uh as Nick Saban with you know that, that's gonna run the program and you know obviously nobody's gonna run it the same way, but someone in that same realm. Yeah, um, I'll make this quick. The fact that Alabama students would revolt over Dabo Sweeney, who holds a coaching record of 170 and 43, is just nonsense to me. But but I saw what you're talking about, and they very well could uh, they could revolt. All right, we got a couple phone calls lined up here, so let's get to them on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line three three four eight eight seven three four zero one locally or toll free one triple eight nine Tiger Nine. Up first, Michael from Auburn. Michael is with us. Michael, how are you today? I'm doing well, guys. I, I guess just with the coaching carousel, I'm just curious of if you get a guy from like you know Lanning or if you get the Washington coach that you know, I, I think you're going to have a hard time getting them to be able to recruit in in and have the proper pipelines that Saban had so deep. So I think you kind of have to have somebody that has SEC ties that is able to do it. And I've asked the question, regardless of who it is, with these new rules. You know, does that coach, if he's currently at 
a college? Does he bring his guys with him, and what does that look like? Not just the other coaches and assistants, but the players that he may bring with it, and what is that going to do for the locker room? Uh, you know, for 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 guys that have loyalty to Saban and so on, and then. I guess the best Facebook post that I've seen today is I haven't seen Alabama fans this upset since they put Sudafed behind the counter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Um, all right. So to answer your question, Michael, well, first I do want to say, so with Lanning, Dan Lanning does have some SEC ties. He was the defensive coordinator at Georgia for three years, and he was actually at Alabama as a GA in 2015. So, yes, head coaching-wise, he's only been in Oregon, uh, but he does have some SEC ties there as an assistant. Now, uh, as far as you know, whoever gets the job, what they bring to Alabama, I think that since this job is so big, I don't think you try to bring much of your players at all. I, I think that you've got to try to keep Alabama's players. Alabama has still been in the top two or three recruiting the last however long you want to put since Nick Saban was there. So I think the mission would be to keep those players down. Now, I know you say, well, what about FID and that sort of thing? Well, Alabama's also looking for a guy that can make just about anything fit, uh, again, because of the, the program stature. So I do think you bring some coaches, but I also think that you you, you hire one or two new ones. And I think player-wise, uh, look, again, Washington's players on Alabama, that that's that's a step down. Uh, it, it just is. I, and I know they went to the title this year, but I think with losing the wide receivers they're losing, with losing Penix, so say it was DeBoer or something, uh, I think pound for pound, Alabama would have a lot more ability in the guys they have remaining than, than Washington's guys. So that is a fascinating question because that's something coaches will have to ponder. But I think that in all, pretty much all situations, Alabama will have the more talent than the place that another coach is leaving. I just see somebody like Dabo, maybe some players that would want to go play for him, and I would be curious of that situation for him. Uh, and and the reputation he's built of, of not a transfer sure. kind of guy, and those guys from Clemson wanting to come with him, and then him having to battle that. And as much as we respect the guy, uh, you don't want to be the guy that replaces Saban. You want to be the guy that replaces the guy that replaced Saban. And so, you know, when you're looking at the schedule and, and it's okay, you know what Bama's bringing to the table and what Saban does. I think a lot of the coaches are going to have a sense of, hey, I don't want to go and replace him. Now I think I can be I can be the guy at the place that I'm at because I don't have to worry about saving, and I'm safer staying where I am. And I think a lot of coaches may feel that, and some of these top guys may, you know, I heard a good thing, you know, you, you want to check both boxes. Can they do the job? And then, you know, do they want the job? And a lot of people will probably, they stand that they want it, but I don't think a lot of people really want to be the guy and have to deal with, being the guy to replace Abe. Yeah, no, I they think... Want to re- yeah, I'm sorry, Michael. That, that's a good point. And, uh, again, that could be why someone would say no, because on the surface, why would you say no to Alabama just if we were just doing the generic stuff of resource, tradition, history, ability, blah, blah, blah. But that's not... It's, it's not the normal hiring process here. You're replacing someone that most feel or a lot feel is the greatest of all time. That's a whole different pressure that some are not built for, nor do some want to take on. So that it is trying to play a little bit into people's psyche on if they have the mindset and the attitude built for taking on that challenge. And as for your Dabo point, look, yeah, now I think Dabo is a special case because he, he's been a little bit more gung-ho and, and against the portal than, than all these other guys, so I could see him wanting to say, yeah, Clint, I'm just going to take all my beloveds to Alabama. So I can, I can 
can see that situation. I just think that the majority of these situations would still be conducive to saying, well, I want to take a few of my guys because they're really good, but Alabama's got five stars that are third string, so why would I work on, on developing those? But you're right about Dabo. All right. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Absolutely. That is Michael from Auburn joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Appreciate that phone call. Let's go right back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, tiger 9 Next up, Keith from Auburn. Keith is with us. Keith, how are you today? Hey, I'm, I'm doing good, guys. How about yourself? Doing very well. So, uh, you know, we knew at some point the time would come, and it's come. So, you know, whoever gets this job is going to get it with a very impatient Bama following, okay? Uh, There's not a whole lot of room for error uh, because I just don't think Bama fans are going to be, you know, the first signs of, you know, a two-loss team or a three-loss team, uh, it, it's going to get, you know, the people are going to start panicking. And then it happened. I mean, it, you know, as long as Alabama's been at the top of where they've been, uh, you know, you, if you've been a Bama fan, you've just been flat-out spoiled. And now you got to live with the reality that uh, that's over with. Um, I, Alabama, I, whoever they bring in uh, – as the next coach, I think next year they'll they'll they should contend for a national title. I think there's enough talent there that they will. Uh, you do have to look at the transfer portal and you know who bails, who leaves, that type of stuff. Now, um, as far as the coaching search goes, uh, I will say this: I do believe, without a without a doubt, that uh, Nick Saban will name his predecessor, who, whoever that might be. Now. How you go about figuring out, you know, was Dan Lanning Saban's first choice? Who knows? Um, would Dan Lanning do a good job? I'm sure he would. I mean, he, he's done a great job at, at, at Oregon. Uh, but then you get into, you fall into that cal- caliber of, well, who really wants to follow Nick Saban? Now, when you think about that, the name that that I believe all the coaches that's been mentioned so far that would probably uh, do it and not think that much about it would be Caleb, uh, whatever his name is, out there at, at Washington. Yeah, Kalen DeBoer. Uh, a, yeah, yeah I, I think that's a step up. Uh, and he's, he's won. He's been successful everywhere he's coached as, as a head coach. So, uh, you know, when you talk about head coaches, you've got, you got to have a couple of things. Uh, those players have got to relate to the coach, and they got to relate to the, the assistant. All right, so you know, you, a head coach is only as good as, as, as the assistants that he puts around him. So that's also a key to this whole process. Now, I, I know Dabo's been mentioned, and, and and several years ago, I was a Dabo man. I thought, well, he'll be the guy to replace Saban. Uh, I, I don't think Dabo wants to replace Saban. Uh, I'm I'm hesitant. I don't think I would want Dabo there, uh, and I'm, I'm, you know, I've been an Alabama fan my whole life, and I love Dabo Sweeney to death, but he does not grasp the NIL concept and, and the transfer portal. Uh, I, I, I just don't think that works uh, for him at Alabama. 
Okay, I mean you got to stay with the times, and you got to you got to bring players in. Uh, now, it, 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 if he adapts to that, that's one thing. But he hadn't really showed a whole lot of proof that he he he's willing to do that. I guess is what I'm saying. Sure. Uh, now, D'Amico Ryan's, even though he's only been a head coach for a year, it's it's hard for me to see him leave uh, Houston after the year he's had. But you don't know what you don't know what that guy what's in his his heart. You know what I'm saying? Playing at Alabama, he's definitely in Alabama. Uh, you know, he's from Alabama. Played, I think, at Jesselineer or, or whatever. So I, I, I don't have a problem. I wouldn't have a problem if uh, I, I kind of like D'Amico Ryan's as a possible candidate. Uh, I still think it's probably, you know, probably won't happen. So it all goes back to Nick Saban, and you gotta you gotta think of the coaches that 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 he's been around and he's had in this program. Sarkeesian would would be in. Uh, I can't see him leaving Texas to take Alabama. I just think that's not going to happen. I mean, that's in my opinion a no brainer. I mean, he he he's better off where he's at. You know, at Texas. Um, so, you know, I think I think the guy really and truly from. <laughs> From Washington, is probably uh, may may possibly be the front runner. I don't know if there's any ties with Nick Saban with him. I don't think from a coaching tree standpoint there is. Yeah, there is so, not. Okay, so that's that's that might be an X factor there. I, I think I do believe, uh, and Nick Saban thinks highly of him, and I do believe Alabama fan base probably don't. But that's Bill O'Brien. Uh, he was successful at Penn State with what he he took over there, and he was successful with the Texans before everything went south there. Um, so I don't know. I, personally, right now, I feel like that it's DeBoer uh, is probably the front runner. So I'm going to throw one long shot out there and an aha moment, okay? Okay. And this is a, a, a long shot, and it, it is an aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Well, okay, we're ready. Lincoln Riley at Southern Cal. All right. I, I know. Right. I know. You just got to think about that. I don't think there's any times with saving either, so that's probably an X factor as well. So I don't know, guys. I guess when they name one, uh, we'll know. And, <laughs> right. And we'll see how, how it all pans out, uh, you know. When it's all, it was a sad day. I, I will have to say, for me, uh, I, I knew it was coming. I just didn't know it, it would be this soon. Sure. I, I thought he might come back for another year, but um, it's almost—it was almost kind of like an Elvis Day or a Bear Bryant Day uh, for an Alabama fan, uh, you know. So, um, you know, I, I appreciate what Nick Saban's done. Uh, he is the greatest coach that ever coached the game, I believe, in college football. And uh, we'll never see another uh, run like he had at Alabama. Uh, it just won't happen. So, but guys, thank you uh, a whole lot for taking my phone call. And, um, you know, things just got crazy. So we'll see how crazy it gets here in the next week or so. Yes, so sir. y'all guys have a good good day. Keep up the great work. Enjoy listening to you guys. Y'all are all professionals, and I appreciate what you do for uh, for sports here in the local area. Absolutely, Keith. We appreciate you for calling into the show. Yeah.
That is Keith from Auburn joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Uh, there were some thoughts on the Alabama coaching search. Again, uh, obviously this is going to be something that will be well covered in the next few days, and we'll see how long it goes on. Uh, but uh, certainly want to react to some of what Keith said and some of these other candidates and have some more words on it. Coming up in hour number three. Again, if you want to give us a call today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We are out of time for hour number two, but again, more on the Alabama head coaching search and much more in hour number three. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday edition of the program as we continue to talk all things coaching carousel, which includes Alabama with uh, Nick Saban retiring yesterday as we continue to get everyone's thoughts on Uh, The situation there, who might be next and that sort of thing. So we want to go ahead and go back to the orthopedic clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the program, Jeff from Columbus. Jeff is with us. Jeff, how are you today? Doing great, guys. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, Man, did I shoot myself in the foot again? Ryan, did you answer my phone call? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Okay, gosh, because I... Sometimes I'm just going to stop saying hello to whoever answers because I always get their name wrong. I go, because y'all sound like, a lot of you sound the same on the phone, but not on the air. But, sure. Hey, yeah, um, we, we have a phone that uh, it was not born any time recently, so that, that the, the audio quality is not always the best. Okay. But, hey, hey um, I just got all my Alabama fans uh, uh, at work here. I told them, man, did you hear it? And they go, what? And I go, Urban Meyer to Alabama. <laughs> they all, they go, you are kidding me. And I go, nope. And they bring in Brian Van Gorder back to coach the defense. <laughs> so then they knew it was over. They, uh, the gig was up after I told them that. Whatever. Who was it? Bob Stoops in Oklahoma? Yes. Is he, he just won't coach again? Yeah, I, I just I think he wanted to get out of it young. Uh, I, I think that 
Uh, maybe he saw the way the sport was going to change. I don't know. I mean, obviously, he got out a little before all of that. Uh, he was obviously young when he retired, though. So, but uh, he he coached yeah. what the XFL or something like that, one of the other leagues for a year yeah, or two. Yeah, they, they, his team won the championship last okay. year. Okay, well, there you go. So he's done that, well, but I mean, I just you know everybody goes after a big name hire, and then I don't know. I, I guess it's just because it's from Washington and stuff like that. But man, anybody from Washington sounds like somebody from Boise State. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I, 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 I think that's. I don't think that. I don't think the Alabama fans are going to be happy with that. I, I know. You know, maybe they don't have a, a say in it and stuff like that. But I believe Lanning is who I would have thought would have been a good hire. You know, uh, um, just because he does have some ties to SEC and stuff, and, and he's young. You know, an up and comer and stuff like that. Yeah. Either way, he. he Man, I sure hope he got a big raise out of this, though. I mean, that's why I told him yes, my brother yesterday. I go, either way, I believe Dan Lanning's going to get a big raise out of this. Yeah. you know, his name was circled around when uh, when Texas A&M was open, and he, he said that he was very happy with where they were in, in Oregon at the time. Man, I don't know. Oregon's really not that nice. I mean, there's... I mean, uh, uh, but what, uh, um, man, is it just me, or what has Lane Kiffin ever done? I mean, it's like you say, okay, one of the Auburn fans goes, well, he's got a 10-win season. I go, that's just because Auburn's winning six games a year, right? Okay, so they moved up to number three in the dang, you know, uh, in in the in the in the West. Well, I guess you can't say that anymore, right? We'll sure. see how it pans out next year. But I mean, they fired him from USC. I mean, they left him on a tarmac. Right. Yep. I mean, I just don't understand how this can be the guy that replaces Satan. Yeah. Look, and, I. Uh, I, I think that we're kind of separating his career in two different parts. So I think that we have kind of all taken off the the half of the, the Tennessee and USC and Oakland Raiders stuff and then kind of focused on his second half because that's when he had worked for Saban as OC and then he comes out of that. And since then, you know, he wins two conference titles in Conference USA. I know it's a small conference, but two conference titles at Florida Atlantic. And then at Ole Miss, now he's 34 and 15 and, and has two double digit win seasons, something that they never obtained. So I think that people are far more concentrated on what's happened post that Nick Saban employment than what happened beforehand. All right. So just you guys' personal opinions, if it was down to these two coaches, which would you think would be a better hire between Sarkeesian or uh, um, what what did I just said? Lane Kiffin. Gosh, Lane Kiffin. Yeah. I mean... I think it would be Sarkeesian. Uh, I, I think that his experience handling a program of Alabama's caliber now at Texas makes him uniquely qualified. To be fair, he did not do a, the best job at USC either, and he and Lane Kiffin share that right. 
in their past. But I think getting Texas to a playoff, that is a job that has been on the same level of difficulty or at least similar difficulty to Alabama. Uh, being able to get them to a playoff bodes well, and and the success and, and the way he runs offense is very, very conducive to the current game. Uh, I, again, I by no means dislike Kiffin, but I, I would prefer Sarkeesian. Okay, and that's what. I, and um, it's weird Deion Sanders hadn't been mentioned in this. Oh. He's mentioned for every other job. I mean, if Ole Miss job comes open, if Keith, Kiffin does leave. They'll say Deion Sanders to Ole Miss, but they, <laughs> that's what my brother said. He goes, man, and Norvell. What is, where did Norvell come from? Yeah, just again, running a, another successful program at this exact moment. I mean, that's kind of how, uh, that's kind of how these things work with the timing of it. Last year, he wouldn't have been on the board, I and mean, he would have never showed up. Right. But now, now that they yeah. went undefeated this year, and and Florida State's a big time school, I mean, you have to put look, look again. There's no these other top five coaches in the sport right now. They're all kind of nestled in, and when you factor in that you're trying to replace this person, it's not something's gone wrong in Alabama. It's that something went really, really right there for a long time. That's something that these other guys, it's kind of why would you leave to try to follow another legacy when you're in the middle of making your own? Yeah, I got you. I got you. And they, like I say, as long as Kirby Smart didn't go to Alabama, I don't care who it is. Sure. And, uh, yeah, but, um, uh, man, I, I seriously believe that the state of college football, the NIL, the transfer portal and stuff, that will push somebody who's thinking about retiring. You, ever, you know, if you won the lottery, right, and you went into work and said, I can't stay at home, right? But then your boss came in there and said, man, we're going to need you to mop the bathroom before you leave at night. Wouldn't you be pretty hard-pressed to stay working at that job? Absolutely. 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 And so I believe this, I believe this is going to be, you know, what does it in for a lot of college coaches here unless they do change something? And, I, I mean, how surprised would you be to see college coaches, even more than Harbaugh, going to pro jobs? But I don't know. Uh, um, if somebody told me that, what's his name, Smith from Atlanta, do you know what his salary was when he got fired? Uh, I would guess in the – Four or five million range somewhere in there. Okay, and that's what I was. I thought that's what it would be, but uh-huh. he was telling me it was more like one point five. And I go, "There's no way." And I go, "I guess it's because they don't have to actually teach players how to do stuff, or, or you know, you're not babysitting and stuff." But yeah, I mean, I could see where. Uh, that's what I was hoping. I go, man, Saban's probably going to the Falcons. How about that? <laughs> but no. But I'm, I mean, I, I can really see if something doesn't get changed. I mean, granted, they get paid. I guess their salaries have gone up as fast as their responsibilities have. And I, hey, is is Hugh Freeze going to get the offensive coordinators' pay? Uh, so. Uh, say that last part again. Or is he going to get the offensive coordinator what? If he's going to get the offensive coordinator's salary. 
No. I mean, he didn't want to coach. He didn't want to coach and recruit. He blamed that on the loss to Maryland. So, I guess he, you know, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> being sarcastic. I guess I just didn't know. But hey, I'm, I'm really surprised. Not one person I've seen has mentioned Urban Meyer. Because that'd be just like him to weasel into a great situation, win another championship, and then quit again. Say, have another heart attack and leave. <laughs> but, uh, hey, guys, you all have a great show, and uh, we'll talk to you all later on this week. Sounds good, Jeff. We appreciate that phone call. That is Jeff from Columbus joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Let's go ahead and grab another call on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Again, 334 887 Zero one locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine. Next up, it is Trent from Auburn. Trent, how are you today? I'm doing wonderful. How are you guys? Doing very well. Uh, it's an interesting day here in Auburn. Our nemesis has finally retired, and I got a couple of theories on who would be his next replacement. All right. So the one that scares me is there's a, there's a significant amount of professional coaches that are available. And the one that's really, really close is probably Mike Vrabels from, from the Tennessee Titans. That that name would terrify me if uh, if he was to come on. Yeah, look, I think that he did a really good job in the NFL. Uh, I know it's kind of a, a different world a little bit, but I, I think that he uh, was truly actually one of the best coaches in the NFL. Uh, he's still a young guy. Uh, I think he's got a great personality for, for coaching and uh, – just how he'd translate the college game would be interesting, but I did think of him very highly in the NFL. Yeah, I know, and I I did too, which I probably think he's probably more going to the Patriots, but on the other hand, though, if he drops down to college since it's close, it's it would be terrifying. And he's probably one of the people who could pick right up and pick right off where uh, Saban left. Yeah. So the yeah. next one, yeah, the next one that terrifies me, uh, he doesn't really terrify me, but I think he would just move on up uh, and what I think is – is probably Lane Kiffin, and then you'll probably hire his brother to be the defensive coordinator because I know his name's been mentioned coming to the SEC for a while, and so I could see them doing that. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I think that with Lane though, it's a it's a stylistic deal there with Alabama where I'm not sure if they want that kind of personality he is still a little bit unique and look i think that he's done a good job at Ole Miss I, I don't think we should discredit anything he's done there i think at some point he will have to win something something big there and he's certainly building a team to try and do it this next year but i just think that they are probably they probably still see him as a little bit too full of antics whether that just be social media or uh, just, just how he gives interviews sometimes. You know, again, I, I personally don't mind it, but I just think that for them, they might not feel that's a great fit. But I do think, I do think positively of him as a coach. I think he's done a good job. Well, I'm looking at the way of the future, and the future is kind of going with the NIL deals, and he seems to be managing that pretty well, which is why I think Bama may pivot to that as opposed to being an old traditional kind of style. But that's the reason why he's, sure. his name comes up. Sure, and he's been awesome. comes in- on – Sure, and he's been awesome in the portal, too. There's no doubt about that. The high school recruiting could use a little work, but he's been one of the top guys in the portal. Yeah. So the next one that kind of kind of a dark horse, but he's got some deep, deep Alabama ties, and he's got a lot of pro experience, is probably uh, Freddie Kitchens. being a former Alabama quarterback and doing a great job in the NFL as a quarterback coach. I could see him stepping up or joining that staff and having some pull. 
Yeah, that could be someone to join the staff. I, I don't know if that'd be the the head coaching target there because obviously it did not yeah uh, did not go well with the brief stint with the Browns, and I know that he has uh, rejoined the college ranks in recent years. So that could absolutely be someone for the staff. Yeah, I, I agree there. And then you know, of course that's you know kind of things. And then you know, there's always the the one I hope they get. Uh, I hope they get Jimbo Fisher, but you know, we know that's probably <laughs> not happening. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, someone used to coach under Saban, so there you go, Saban, the, the Saban coaching tree there. Well, I'm just saying he's available, he's got a national championship, so he checks some box, boxes, but, you know, his, uh, his resume ain't too good lately. That is that is for sure. Yeah. So, any uh, thoughts on the uh, Auburn defensive coordinator? Yeah, so uh, I, I think that uh, there are a mix of names, some that pertain to uh, relevant experience at Auburn. Uh, like T. Rob over at Alabama, like Travis Williams, yeah. who's at at Arkansas right now. I think when you're reading the, some of the beat guys, Zach Arnett has been a name that has come back uh, <laughs> a, a multiple times. Yeah. There, I think there is real interest. And then, of course, the Char- the Charles Kelly part of it. Now, we we've talked a little bit earlier in the show about uh, there's some some rumors that suggest he's not too keen on a big coaching role. That he is here to be. Uh, one of the best, you know, one of the top recruiters. That is something he's known for, uh, and have a hand a little bit in the coaching, but not really someone that wants to maybe step up after the mess at Colorado last year of a defense they had and get right all the way back into coaching. So I'm not sure what the mindset is with him. Uh, obviously, Auburn has not officially announced him yet, which could be because they're still t- trying to talk about a role with him. Uh, but I would keep an eye on, on kind of those guys, and I know Chris Kiffin's been mentioned too. Again, there's there's yeah. five or six relevant names there, but uh, I think that you've got a good mix of guys involved with Freeze in the past, involved with Auburn in the past, and, uh, and and involved in the SEC. Well, one that I think is not being mentioned, but if he could go back to his glory days when he was the defensive coordinator here at Auburn, would be Gene Chizik. Um, I know he's probably past his prime, you know, and being – leaving Mac Brown from North Carolina. But I remember when he was here, the defensive coordinator, they were pretty stout. They uh, had a great defensive line, great linebackers, and a good secondary. And he's a he's a good defensive mind, mind coordinator. But that's probably a really, really dark horse down the road. But Yeah, and look, those dynamics are always interesting because obviously you're the head man at a place and then you come back to be a coordinator. It doesn't happen often, although we saw it happen with Arkansas just a few weeks ago. Uh, and that yeah. very, very odd situation. So, look, Chiswick's still respected as a defensive coach. I, I know things did not work out the second time around uh, like they did the first time at North Carolina. Uh, again, I just think that uh, it's probably just a little bit too weird uh, for everybody involved there. Yeah, but uh, I would be happy to see him sure. back here on the plane. He's a sure. class act gentleman, uh, you know, and I uh, wish him all the best. That's about all I got for uh, tonight. I uh, really love the show, uh, having good conversations, and uh, really like uh, discussion. Absolutely, you guys Trent. Have a good night. You too, man. We all appreciate right. the phone call. That is Trent from Auburn joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Appreciate Trent for calling in right there and for listening to the program. Let's get one more phone call, and then we'll have to take another time out. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up. Tony from Tuskegee. Tony is with us. Tony, how are you today? I'm fine. How about you all? Doing very well. Yeah, with that um, Alabama coaching search, I think the coach has already been probably named before um, Saban made the announcement. 
And I, I think he's too professional, you know, not being fired and just to leave Alabama, you know, in a ring like that. Well, I, I understand why you think that. However, there was an interview with Reese Davis today where Nick Saban said that they had the 4 p.m. team meeting scheduled for yesterday, and at 3.55 he was still on the phone with Miss Terry trying to figure out exactly what he was going to do. So I, I genuinely think that even Nick Saban, up until maybe even moments before. Yeah, yeah uh, I, 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 read, I read all that. Sure. And, uh, yeah, I read, read all that about he did a team meeting. But if you notice a lot of – them players. Why would um uh, uh, Homer Wiggins left? He used to read uh, receivers coach. Um, what's his name? Uh, Steele. Kevin uh, Steele. Yeah, he retired. Kevin yeah. Steele, um, defensive coordinator. And if you take notice, a lot of them other coaches. I mean, they still a lot of them moving. T. Rob, but. It's everybody can take talk about Dan Lennon. He took his name out the hat. Uh, talking about um, Lane Kiffin, but it's one coach that he he owed his whole turnaround to Nick Saban in Alabama, and that's Steve Sarkeesian. Sure. And um, I believe that's Alabama next coach. Okay. Yeah, I don't think the guy. I don't think the guy. I don't think they're gonna take a chance on a coach that hadn't been in the um, SEC. And um, I just don't think he got no not a, what's his name, the guy in Washington. Right, Kalen DeBoer. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you know in see uh, uh, Steve Sarkeesian, whatever the money might be, I think they'll put it out there for him because Alabama wants to continuously win, be the mark of the college football, and um, they'll put their money out there for him. And that's who I'm hoping, you know, him. If not him, I'd rather, I would rather see Lane Kiffin, but I don't know for how long. <laughs> sure. I, I would ask you, Tony, about Sarkeesian, though. I mean, again, I'm sure you've heard it, but there is some concern with some of these guys, and Sarkeesian included, like, would they want to follow Nick Saban? And I know you said he owes uh, a, a debt of gratitude to Saban to, to helping uh, reshape his career, but, I mean, he does have a pretty good thing going at a huge program in Texas right now. Would you worry about him maybe thinking that maybe Texas is still the right spot for him? Well, right now, that would be a step up. From any any um, team in college football, Georgia and Alabama would be a step up. That that might be, but I think the difference in Texas and Alabama is very small compared compared to most. And I think that when you are again, that's why I ask you about wanting to have the mentality of following someone that is impossible to follow, like Nick Saban. Is that very very small step up? Because look, nobody's been better in Alabama. I get it, but Texas yeah, is still. One of the five or six biggest names in this sport with its money and its resources. And he's the guy that for the first time in 10 or 15 years has gotten them back to relevance. So, does is that oh, yeah. small step worth having to follow Nick Saban? Yeah, well, he's probably looking at Didn't he coach a couple of games, one or two games when um, 
Saban was out or something. He, he was at Alabama. Uh, I believe that was what lined up. I think, yeah, 2020, yeah. so I believe so. But also that's different when you're already on that staff as an assistant. You know you don't hold the whole weight of responsibility for the whole season. Yeah, but, well, you look at the job that he's done at, um, what, Texas in two, three years. Right. And I don't know. I believe those people up in Tuscaloosa, they they want to keep winning. And right now they want somebody. How that guy has brought in the play calling he does. Sure. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I don't. I don't doubt Alabama having interest in him. I think they should have interest in him. I'm just simply questioning the other side of things, where is Sarkeesian again? And that's going to be the question anyone asked for this is going to have to answer, is do you want to follow someone that is set the bar impossibly high? And that is that is a real thing for the, for these yeah. people. Well, well, I got one odd other scenario. Sure. Would he like the uh, what's that commercial with the duck? Um, yeah, Aflac, Deion Sanders. Aflac. Yep. <laughs> Would he record? I'm, I'm sure they asked him his thoughts, probably on a uh, 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 coaching hire. If he mentioned Deion, would um, would you think they look at that in this new time? I, I, I just don't think so. There just was not enough production on the field. I think that obviously his recruiting and the ability to get attention on the program is something that makes him coveted amongst some. Yeah, but well, Alabama doesn't need attention. Alabama's already Alabama. Well, I understand that, but you look at the recruiting and the coaching staff he comprised. Nick Saban is not really a, 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 a hell of a coach, but he put people around and I think Dion could put people around him. You know, that's what coaches. That's what coaches is all about. If you ain't got a, a, a offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, it shows when he put Mike Dubos there. Uh, uh, not Mike Dubos, uh, the guy went to uh, Ole Miss. Uh, Pete Golding. Brian, no. Pete Golding. You know, yeah, you, Pete Golding. You ain't got a. If you ain't got a staff around you, that's what coaching is recruiting and putting people around you that can assemble the players like like Texas A and M. Look at the class they had, but nobody could develop them. Right, you know, but, but and, yeah. But you know, I'm just saying that's a word of why I don't think that'll happen. I don't think that'll happen either. Not just. Not 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 this day and time, and uh, you know Dion had no, uh, he hadn't really did anything yet, you know, in his college days. So you know, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't, you know, even though he black or whatever, and that's my nationality. I'm not saying, you know, I'm, I'm not talking on those terms, but you know, right? He hadn't, um, he hadn't proven himself yet. Sure. So, uh, yeah, but I'm I'm looking at. Sure, and I I, yeah. I agree with that. I think that would be a good pick. Yeah, all right. Thanks, Thanks a-, a lot. Absolutely, Tony. We appreciate that phone call. That is Tony from Tuskegee joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Good string of phone calls right there. We do need to take our first time out here of the 5 o'clock hour when we come back. Of course, more on the uh, ongoing situation there with Alabama. You want to give us a call, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Sports Call returns after this. 
is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Now back to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning sports call. Welcome back to the Thursday edition of Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, T.P. Hammock, also available after the fact on the Sports Call podcast if you want to listen to something again, or if you missed something, you can go back and check it out on demand wherever you get your podcast. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola. To go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola, taste the feeling. I also want to remind you, too, that we still have the Sports Call survey up and available to be taken uh, again it'll be up till next friday and uh, it's available on twitter at sports call au instagram facebook sports call auburn the tiger.fm website and we'd really encourage your participation in that it's nine brief questions eight multiple choice and a short answer at the end to give your thoughts on the show and uh, again we really appreciate that as we look to improve in 2024 all right, so we just had a great string of callers there. Again, we appreciate everyone calling in so far today and whenever you might decide to call into the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. And so let's respond to some of those calls. We had some really good ones there in the last half hour or uh, even extending into the last hour as well. Uh, so some of these names, again, you guys went through some of your favorites. I know uh, you were looking at Dabo a little bit, TP. Uh, Brooks, you uh, were – I know you mentioned Franklin as the guy that's not on the board, but yeah. that you might throw on the board. Who was – did you have a guy that was kind of on the board I really, already? I was just going uh, – I said DeBoer maybe a, a guy you look at, but I, w- I was mainly going with somebody that has the same mentality as right. Nick Saban, not a, I, i.e. not a Lane Kiffin kind of guy okay. where you're, you're going with somebody that's more – that runs his program more like Nick Saban sure. did. Uh, look, here's my two cents. I think that – and again, we – we saw what Dan Lanning said. I, I 98% believe it. You can't fully believe anything. Nick Saban once upon a time said he's not going to take the Alabama job. So, again, you can't just write it in stone, but you do have to put some sort of uh, of stock into someone when they say, I'm not leaving, uh, and especially the way Dan Lanning did, posting a whole video about it. Uh, now, apparently, hype videos for, uh, again, I think it was you that said that, Brooks, earlier today, hype videos for coaches staying now. Uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, if I were Alabama, Dan Lanning would have been my first call. Uh, he is a younger guy that already seems to get it. He does have SEC ties. He coached at Georgia a couple of years at D.C. He was at Alabama in 2015 for a year as a GA. He gets it. Okay, that That is something that you don't have to deal with. I know, I know he's been in Oregon a couple of years. Uh, but he's already done a good job at Oregon. And I, I think that, yes, you can say, well, it's just two years Look, I think that he unlocked Bo Nix. That's something Auburn couldn't do, to be quite frank with you. So I do think there was a, a level of development with Oregon's coaching staff there, uh, and, and they improved that situation, and they were a really good team these last two years. If not for Kalen DeBoer's Washington, they would have been in a playoff this year. Uh, so I, I would call Lanning first. I also think he's got the can-do mentality to take on this incredible challenge. Look, this, this is already a challenging but big-time job with or without before, after whatever Nick Saban. 
because of Alabama's program history, uh, being at the top of the sport, them and Michigan and Ohio State and Texas and USC, like these are the five, Oklahoma, five, six, seven programs that have always been and for all intents and purposes might always be. And they're always going to have those expectations. And so Alabama's already huge, but now having to follow this person, Nick Saban, who again, uh, at minimum, I don't think anyone would argue one of the all-time greats. Most will say the greatest. I think everyone on this show is also saying the greatest. Wherever you stand, this person makes this job so difficult at this time. Yes, you do have great resource and all that, and you have the history and, and tradition and the expectation, but that expectation is going to be very easy to be swallowing this time around because I look at – let me – Brief aside on this year's team. For example, Jalen Milrow. I thought the discourse around Jalen Milrow was fascinating this year. Uh, if you talk to the average Alabama fan, they were not very fond of him most of this year. Maybe not even at all this year. I have a good buddy that I went to high school with, still stayed good friends with even to this day, that went to Alabama. Still to this day, not a huge Jalen Milrow guy. Jalen Milrow is still a really good college quarterback. He might not have been what they had, and Tua Tagovailoa or Bryce Young, maybe even Mac Jones, he's still a well above average, pretty darn good college quarterback. He had some deficiencies, but most college quarterbacks do. And yet the sentiment around him for many with Alabama was that, eh, we do a lot better. Well, not really a huge fan of his. When in reality, that's a lot of people would love to have Jalen Milrow this year. And I think that's the kind of mentality that's going to exist post Nick Saban. They might go 10-2. and two. They might make the playoffs as the number 9 or 10 team in the country. But they lose that first-round playoff game. That's going to be a bad year. Should that be considered a bad year? No. It should be considered maybe not the elite year that you are capable of having, but it should be considered overall a pretty solid year. Couple that with whatever rivals they do or do not beat. Like, again, on the surface, 10-2, and two, top 10 in the country, make the playoffs, pretty good. Checks boxes. But post Nick Saban, that will not check their boxes. And so Dan Lanning, to me, is somebody that has the type of mentality that can survive that and continue to push through forward out of that. And so that's why Lanning would be my first call. Now, if he is truly not on the table, my next call personally is probably to Steve, uh, Steve Sarkeesian. I almost said Steven Sarkeesian. I was just getting really worked up about him. I do think that he has figured some things out. Now, similar to Lane Kiffin, look, I reserve the right to say coaches can grow and improve. Nick Saban at Michigan State was not the Nick Saban at LSU, and he was not the Nick Saban at Alabama. He perfected it over time. Sure, he got in better opportunities over time, but he still perfected it, okay? He, he got it from good to great to, to elite. It's amazing. And I think some of these coaches go through some changes. Some never change. I, I would not pay Will Muschamp to run ahead football program i wouldn't wouldn't touch that 10-foot stick i'd love him to be a defensive coordinator but not letting him be a head coach some guys don't get it and don't learn i think lane kiffin's learned i think lane the lane kiffin that got fired at lax in southern california is not the same lane kiffin that coaches in oxford mississippi right now i think he has learned he is utilizing the current structure of college football and he's doing a good job what his ceiling is we can all debate that but he's doing a much better job now than he did at tennessee 
and in one year, granted, and at USC. And I think the same about Steve Sarkeesian. The Steve Sarkeesian that was having alcohol problems, uh, that was struggling in the Pac-12 there with Southern Cal in the mid-2010s, is not the Steve Sarkeesian that exists today. I think the Steve Sarkeesian that exists today has learned something from Nick Saban. I think he's gotten his life in order, and he has started to run one of the again one of the five or six programs in the sport in a way that's not been run since Mac Brown in the late two thousands with Colt McCoy. And so I think that that qualifies him to take on this challenge. Now again, as we talked about with Tony uh, from Tuskegee. What will always be the question for whoever Alabama Alabama wants is do they want it because of following Nick Saban? It's not do they want to coach at somewhere as special as Alabama. Okay, I, I, like it's a huge job, huge resources. Obviously, the the as as Michael Jordan said, the ceiling is the roof. Whatever you want to say, again, it's it it's as high as it can go. It's not about that though. It's about what people will accept as Nick Saban's follow-up. And unless you are going unless you're going to become the greatest coach of all time, people are going to say, well, he's good, but he ain't Saban. And is that something you want to fall carry around? And so as it was said on the show today, yesterday, it's going to be said on the show the next day and the next day. Do you do you want to be the guy that follows the guy or do you want to be the second guy? Right? Do you want to be the guy that follows the guy that follows the guy? So Again, that's what Sarkeesian has to answer. I think Alabama should ask. I think he should be the second option behind Lanning, and I think that would be a good get for them personally. I would be a little concerned by that, but I think that I can't tell if he would take it or not because, again, he's at a program with the same sort of ceiling. It's Texas. It's the same sort of money. It's it's the research, the expectations there, but he's started to deliver for them in a way that's not been delivered in over a decade. That, that makes him – with a special kind of equity that if he continues that, he will be revered because, well, he didn't follow Mac Brown. He followed three or four other guys that tried to follow Mac Brown. And so uh, I, I think that that's a very real dilemma for Sarkeesian. And so that's my second get. Now, I have some takes on Kiffin and, and Dabo. Unfortunately, just don't have time for that today. Uh, as we start to run low in time, we do have to take one more break in just a second. Guys, do you have any follow-ups to what we've heard today from some of our great callers or anything in the last few moments? Just anything you wouldn't like to uh, close with, I guess, on the saving conversation for today? I I think they're going to hire a coach in the next, I think, tomorrow or Saturday. And I think they probably would have gotten Steve Sarkeesian had he not had such a good year this year. I mean, they were – a play away from scoring the tying touchdown, making a PAT, and going to the national championship. So I think he's pretty much locked down at Texas, and I think they respect that. And, you know, he's done, like you said, really good. They haven't been this good since Mac Brown. They're recruiting at a really high level. Um, and so, I, it's you know, if you're an Alabama fan, you're sick to your stomach that this happened whenever Texas just started to get really good. So the, the boosters aren't going to let him leave for anything uh, worth their while. So um, I think uh, Alabama's in a really interesting predicament, and whoever they hire, you know, like we've said, they've got some big shoes to fill, and uh, I wonder if that's scared any uh, potential candidates off. But uh, coaches are wired differently, and uh, it's going to be fascinating to see who uh, takes that job. Yeah, to be a fly on the wall, because, again, we're going to hear so many rumors before it, and then we're going to hear some sort of public display after it. Because, look, they're never going to say if they were declined by eight people. They're not going to say that. That's bad PR. You don't do that. 
Look, many still feel, and I agree, Lane Kiffin turned down Auburn. But Auburn's not going to say that. Of course, why would they? And so they, they give you the opportunity to say, oh, no, he, they got their guy from the get-go. When in reality, it's like there's a lot of conversations that just never make the light of day, and that's how the business works. So I would love to be a fly on the wall and see if if Dan Lanning really was offered. Because, again, Alabama's going to say he wasn't. If Dan Lanning's not head coach, they're going to say he wasn't. But maybe he was, and maybe that's what prompted the video. Like, here's my public display, squash the rumors. Yes, I don't care. I, you know, he's not going to say I got offered, but – I'm saying Oregon. So I'd love to be on the fly on the wall. The reality is we're going to have to deal with some hearsay uh, from this point forward, and that's just going to be kind of how it works. Everybody's it, social media graphic says, got our guy. Yeah, every <laughs> did, single time. Yeah. I saw that Dan Lanning said today whenever everyone was blowing up that he was in Tuscaloosa, whoever. Turns out he's just watching a Jason Bourne movie with right. his son. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, and that's a great franchise. So it's a pretty good movie taste right there. But, uh, again, yeah, there's a lot of rumors, and – you deal with that with every coaching search. This coaching search, the longer it goes on, everyone's going to know a guy that knows a guy, uh, and that could be a very dangerous game to follow. Uh, we're about out of time for the show today on this Thursday. One quick final timeout. Back with the Nightly TV Guide right after this. Don't want to call into the show? Send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Sports call at the tiger.fm. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and T.P. Hammock with us here on this Thursday edition of the show. We are about out of time, man. It's been a fun show. Obviously, coaching carousel is inherently fun. You then put this much speculation into this job, and uh, then it becomes a whirlwind. But we certainly appreciate everyone that's been listening and calling in throughout the program. I'm sure we'll have a little bit more of it tomorrow. We'll have had coaching stuff in the NFL to get to, NFL playoffs, Auburn basketball. It'll be a loaded show again tomorrow, and we look forward to that. But for now, time to wrap up this Thursday edition of the program. Time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw, Hart Seltzer, Brooks. What do we have? we got some plethora of sports on tonight, so I'm not going to give you any movies. That's right. If you want to watch Jason Bourne like Dane Lanning was doing last night, you're on your own. Uh, sports for you this evening. This uh, All these sports, by the way, in connection with what my last statement. If you're a coach out there looking for an alibi, I'll tell you watching one of these things. Uh, 6 o'clock ESPN 2, you've got uh, college basketball action as Florida Atlantic visits Tulane. Uh, Florida Atlantic still ranked in the top 25. Uh, FS1 at 6 o'clock, Michigan visiting Maryland. Some Big Ten action. Also 6 o'clock on ESPNU. UMBC, the Retrievers visit Vermont. Later on this evening in college basketball action, uh, ESPN Dose 
It is U- uh, UCLA visiting Utah on FS1 at 8 o'clock. It is Michigan State visiting Illinois. Then at, uh, on ESPNU, Radford visits Longwood. And at 8.30, you've also got uh, Gonzaga and St. Clara on ESPN. Uh, looking elsewhere around the sports world, you got a couple of hockey games on tonight, or one hockey game on tonight on ESPN. It's the Maple Leafs visiting the Islanders. Uh, TNT basketball for NBA. Celtics visit the Bucks. Suns visit the Lakers. You got some golf on tonight at 6 o'clock, some primetime golf, the Sony Open in Hawaii. And of course, Auburn women's basketball back in action over in Oxford, Mississippi, as they take on the Ole Miss Rebels for their SEC road opener, or the second SEC game on the road in a row. And that is our nightly TV guy brought to reference at White Claw Hart Seltzer. Thank you very much for that, Brooks. And Brooks, we will see you again tomorrow. Appreciate you for being here. I'll be here. And TP Hammock, thank you for being on the show today. We'll see you again next time. Thank you, as always. Again, that will do it for this Thursday edition of the program. We'd like to thank Auburn Gymnastics coach Jeff Graba for joining the program earlier. And as always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. For Brooks Childress and T.P. Hammock, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Thursday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.